where's the best place to buy tires? Where's the best repair shop for my hybrid? Questions about your car? Drive into Dobbs. With more than 40 locations, our team of technicians will get the job done right the first time. For deals you can use, click on gotodobbs.com now. For over two decades, E&B Granite has been St. Louis's trusted name for kitchen, bathroom, and outdoor space renovations that are guaranteed to bring new life into your living spaces. Their skilled team will provide you with personalized customer service, fast turnaround times, and prices you won't find with big box stores. Support local and schedule free consultation at enbgranite.com or call them at 314-645-9300 or better yet, stop by the showroom and explore their massive inventory. Again, that's enbgranite.com. Guess what day it is, huh? Pump day! Sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows. Everything that's wonderful is what I feel when we're together. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Brooke Grimsley, Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis, Randy Carriger. Great to have you with us at 7 o'clock on a happy hump day. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers and officially licensed Rolex Jeweler. And it is Sunshine Lollipops, your Cardinals win again. They are just relentless, except for the night before. Uh, yeah, they, they, they took care of the Red Lakes at the So-So American Ballpark. 8-5 <laughs> last night, and they remain within a game. Who would have thought this before the season started? They're they're within a game of the San Diego Padres in the overall National League standings. I thought the Padres, based upon how much money they spent, kids well, were supposed to go undefeated this year. You 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 thought it would be that way. You just thought it would be at the top of the standings, yeah. and not at the bottom. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I, like I you thought not, that would be possible, yeah. just not at the you know, at the tail end of of all of those names. Right. But your Cardinals are hot. The whole organization is hot. And we're going to talk about that throughout the day. Uh, we're going to talk to Adam Wainwright coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. It is Wednesday, after all, so it's Wednesdays with Wayno. We've got injury updates from the Cardinals coming up at the bottom of this hour. We've got our bird watch coming up in the next hour. And we should point out to you, if you're not aware, last night Jordan Walker hit another home run. Jordan Walker down in Memphis, 8 for his last 17 with a couple of homers and a double. And Carey's prediction that he could come back may be valid. That's not saying I have insider information mm-hmm. but I, I don't but i do feel <laughs> i kind of feel you like tingle right i, 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 you I feel it feeling. in my fingers uh, i feel it in my spirit he's gonna be here ready to hit some j-bombs as uh chip carey says J-bombs. i like that yeah i like the j-bombs i mean he he's doing what you want from him right now and especially if maybe what they're just looking for is on more of a consistent basis my biggest thing is it seems like, too, part of sending him down was figuring out what the rest of that outfield would look like. And it still seems like we have some questions with that regarding the Tyler O'Neill update yes. yesterday. Still still no positive update from him. He wasn't even able to participate in the activities on Monday because he's still dealing with lower back issues. Dylan Carlson, we thought that he might be starting at some point this week, but it seems like he's not ready to go yet. He didn't travel with the team, so maybe he'll be able to when they return. Kerry, as a professional athlete and you'll mm-hmm. always be a professional athlete can you work out too much and can it can working out too much cause you to be consistently injured i'm asking this for a friend named tyler o'neill <laughs> you can you can overexert yourself 
I think, you know, especially in high school, we try to teach the young kids to play multiple sports, right? It, it's because it allows them to work on different things, different movements. If you play basketball, you move differently than if you play football, than if you play baseball. Um, but when you become a professional athlete, if you're overtraining, overusing those muscles, mm-hmm. and we talked about it, you know, during the offseason, whether or not Tyler O'Neill was going to lengthen those muscles, whether or not he's going to be doing yoga and some stretching mm-hmm. instead of all of the power lifting. At some point, the older you get, the more weight you, the, the the less weight you need to have on the rack. It's just it just comes with it. You are you don't have anything to prove. You don't have anything to unless you're competing at that level in a competition. Then yeah, but other than that, you're a professional baseball player. Your job is to play baseball, and if you're often injured because of a multitude of things, it's it's not going to be good for you. There are five or six iconic lines in the history of sports. Bill Parcells, you are what your record says you are. Vince Lombardi, winning isn't everything, it's the only thing. Rod Beck, you can't pull fat. (laughs) That's what Tyler O'Neill needs to take to heart. Is it, you never heard of anybody going on the IL because of pulled fat? Just have have McDonald's, you know, something like that. Make that movie. What was that that documentary the guy that Supersized. Yeah. (laughs) Try it, try it, Tyler. Come on, it's fun. Last night, by the way, the Cardinals rolled the Reds. (laughs) Eight to five and... The numbingly consistent, boring Paul Goldschmidt stepped up in the first inning and did this. High fly ball hit deep toward left field. Back goes Fraley to the wall, looks up, and it's gone. Paul Goldschmidt with a mammoth home run, and the Cardinals strike first with one out in the opening inning. Chip carried the call on Bally Sports. The Cardinals led 3-1 in the third inning when Goldie stepped in again. As this ball's hammered deep toward right, Myers going back. He's going to run out of room. That one's gone. An opposite field home run. And Goldie had the Cardinals on top there by a score of 4-1. to one. And the Cardinals had some fun. Well, it wasn't fun for them, but it was fun for us in the fourth inning. Things got exciting in between innings here. Nolan Arenado, after hitting into the double play, was walking to the Cardinals' dugout, wasn't looking at Will Little, and he got run. Oliver Marmol came in to argue the strike zone. He got thrown out by Will Little here in the third. Well, I'll tell you what, Will Little needs to tuck the ears in a little bit. You're going to get that personal about a guy who's walking off, not eye contact, not showing you up between innings. And he had a couple of calls on Arenado. Arenado, all he's telling him, look, it can't be down here under the zone and up here as well. That was weird. Uh, and BT is right. You, if you've got rabbit ears, if you're an umpire, you just need to calm down a little bit. I, I have an issue with with referees, umpires, you know, uh, putting themselves into the game in that manner. If he's walking away, he wasn't looking at him. He probably was speaking loud enough for the ump to hear him. But at the same time, he's not. He's not showing him up because the only two people or the only three people, him and I think it was Stubby Clap and the umpire, the only ones that could hear it. None of the fans know what's being said. No one can can really pay attention or hear. You know, there's nothing demonstrative towards the umpire. You do have to let it go and allow him to stay in the game and not assert yourself and put yourself into the game in that way. You just can't be that emotional if you're an umpire. You got to take it. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. It, it just looked like, especially in between the innings, too, like I get like the frustration right there in a moment. We don't know what Arenado said, but at the same time, he said, but we have an idea. I think we have a pretty good idea. You're right. But you could just see, like, in the video, like, of the replay that he was just walking away. And it's like, you are 
it's you're putting yourself into that situation. You're making yourself the story of the game, but. You know, that's just the way that it seems like it is, and it worked out in that one. So 4-1 at that point. Matt McLean homered for the Reds to make it a 4-3 Cardinal lead. But then Tommy Edmond comes up with a couple of runners aboard. Swing and a line drive left center field. That's down. That'll score two. The Cardinals come right back and get those runs back. Edmond around second, chugging for third. The throw will be laid. It's a bases-clearing triple. Later in the inning, the Nutty Neuters celebrated as Lars Newtbar drove a run home. Cardinals win it by a score of 8-5, to five, and they have split the first two of this four-game series, and they need to win a couple in a row now. And Adam yeah. Wainwright gives the Cardinals what I... Th- uh, and, Brooke, you were telling me on social media people were complaining about the Adam Wainwright performance. Adam Wainwright is a back-of-the-rotation guy. He's, he's your number... probably your number four guy. All you're looking for out of Adam Wainwright, let's be rational here, kids. He's 41 years old. He's not what he was in 2014. You're looking for innings out of Adam Wainwright, and he gave you five and two-thirds and felt like he could have given you more. He only threw 77 pitches. Yeah, well, and also it would be a different story today, too, if it didn't work out having Giovanni Gallegos and Ryan Helsley and back-to-backs. We might be having a different discussion here, but it did work out. They performed like you wanted to. I know it got a little bit hairy there in the ninth inning, but still they came away with a victory. And also for Adam Wainwright, too, he it's a very rare win at Great American Ballpark. Yeah. He actually wanted to rename it the Devil's Lair because what he said <laughs> last, name, last night in his post-game comments. So Gallegos and Helsley get used in back-to-back games, and they provide a scoreless inning each. And per reports from John Denton via Ali Marmol, Matthew Libertor was available in the bullpen because of the 10-inning uh, game, but after not being used, should start in Cleve- Should a start in Cleveland be the obvious call? You just don't know. Redbirds and Reds again tonight at the SoSo American Ballpark. I hope. Libertor gets another start. He I love what he did in his first start this season. He uh the the ability to change speeds at such a, a, a drastic rate. It was mm-hmm. fun to watch. He had had the hitters off balance. I would love to see him get another opportunity because there is not anyone that that has shown enough to say, hey, he doesn't deserve that opportunity. Based on what he's done and based on what this starting rotation has done, he deserves that opportunity to, again to get another start. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. And guess who goes tonight? Stephen Matt, Stephen Matt, Nancy in Cincinnati. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you say that with some trepidation. Oh, Brooke. sorry. Well, I'm just thinking. Well, obviously, you're not going to have Giovanni Gallegos or Ryan Helsley again, too. So you're just thinking about that. But with Matthew Libertor, too, I it felt very confusing when you saw that report. Of course, we're not there. We're not able to hear how Ollie's delivering this news. But when you read it, you're kind of like, it seems like they're jerking him around a little bit with that. And we know the Cardinals' history when it comes to pitching prospects and kind of having those situations. I thought that Matthew Libertor did enough and showed enough. I thought that was the purpose of bringing him up, you know, just some young blood possibly kind of vying for a spot in the starting rotation or even being a six-man in that starting rotation. All right, kids. I'm going to uh, recommend that you go get the the old FanDuel Sportsbook fired up. Okay. <laughs> I, was about, I was just about to say, okay. when, what's the home run prop that we're betting no, on this, the Reds today? This is uh, Stephen Matz. I'm going to find out what the over-under is for Stephen Matz innings. Stephen Matz gives you a quality start tonight in Cincy. Ooh. That just happened. 35 minutes early on Take It or Leave It. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. 
So uh, you, you heard it here first. You hear other. Th- you didn't find it, did you? I'm gonna leave that. But the, the, you heard it here first. Did you find anything else that you, you heard here first? Oh yes. <laughs> I, I was waiting for this one because, and apparently, you didn't even realize it last uh, night that you had said that. Sometimes when you have genius tendencies, they just come to you naturally. Yeah. And you, you don't really understand why or how it happens, but it just happens. And sometimes it's just so natural you don't even remember how brilliant you are. I, I know you two have both experienced this. Yeah. And uh, I, for the first time here, I'm 60. For the first time, I got to experience uh, a, a level of greatness. Previously unknown <laughs> by you? Randy Carricker. Really? Yeah. <laughs> That's. I, I. I feel like I. You know what? What it felt like when Jr. texted me last night and said, "Didn't you say Goldschmidt was going to hit two home runs?" You in this did game? say that. I, uh, when I saw the second, <laughs> I was like, oh, "Randy actually said he's so, going to hit two home runs today." I felt like I flattened you, the guy on the kickoff of the <laughs> AFC Championship game. <laughs> That is a, an amazing feeling, Randy. Were you waiting when he hit that second? I caught. Did you? Just, yeah. I had yeah. no idea. I had no idea you that I said it. You said it. Yeah. You said it There's yesterday. There's just so many. Life, my life is a line of BS. My entire life is a line of BS. So, I thought about yeah. it yesterday you, after I heard it. I yeah. thought I saw it. I'm like, wait, Randy said he was going to do that. Yeah. And we have a group chat too. And I was thinking about texting him, but I was like, oh, Randy already knows. No. Surely, he, surely he, he already remembers. A couple that he people said on that. Twitter noted it. If he would have remembered, he would have texted us. That's, Everybody. A, that's a fair yeah. point. There you go. NHL playoffs. Vegas beats Dallas 4-0. Vegas leads the series 3-0. Jamie Benn, uh, it says on our sheet here, Jamie Benn's a scumbag. Who knew he is? But he's also an idiot <laughs> scumbag. Uh, I mean, your team, okay, you're down 2 nothing, yes. and your captain in the first three minutes of a game gets tossed because of a bad, stupid penalty? What the hell? Uh, that guy... You know what? He should never play another game for the Stars. That's I don't say that people embarrass themselves very ever on the radio. That was embarrassing for Jamie Ben. He's what a what a punk move on his part. And well, he and too. his team. I mean, his team's on the brink of elimination now in large part because of him. Randy, I told you that different people respond differently when pr- pressure is applied. And sometimes you snap. I I talk, Kyle Schwarber trying to bunt in the eighth or ninth mm-hmm. inning of the of the World Series was a prime example. What the hell are you doing? You yeah. hit the ball, man. You hit the ball over the fence. People just all of a sudden do weird things when they feel pressure, and that could be one of those things. It's just it's too much. It's frustrating. You're not performing well. It's not going well as a team personally. Mm-hmm. I just want to get the hell out of here, and you make a bad decision. As was noted on social media, somebody tried to call Jamie Ben, and it went straight to voicemail. No rings. Oh. <laughs> well, and that was just, too, just the Dallas Stars imploding. Yeah. I mean, that was a terrible game as well. And then you had Max Domi as well. He received yeah. a 10-minute misconduct. And then you had the fans throwing trash out there, too, because of the frustrations Brutal. right after that. It, it was just absolutely terrible for the Dallas Stars. Yeah. Oh, here it is. What did Matthew find? So, and this one, one for 21, that's not real. He'll probably go four for five tonight with a couple of dingers. There you go. Wow. Yep. Any? Well, he had a couple of dingers, did he not? You are, you are, you're pretty good at this radio thing, Randy. I don't know if anyone's told you that. Thank before. you, CD. Yeah, you're pretty, that. you're pretty good at this, man. And uh, Jason Tatum's pretty good at basketball. Well, he finally stuck around for a fourth quarter. He didn't leave early, uh, and the Celtics stayed alive with a 116-99 win over the Heat. 
And Jason had 33 points, 14 of 22 from the field. And he's the only Celtic over 17 points last night. Celtics beat the Heat 116 to 99. All right, we're off and running here on 101 ESPN. Coming up. Ask Uncle Randy. Get your text in to the Air Comfort Service text line. 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO. Here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Got a question for Uncle Randy? Let him dive into his infinite well filled with wisdom to find you answers. Text 314-399-9646. It's Ask Uncle Randy on 101 ESPN. All right, it's time for Ask Uncle Randy. It's a Wednesday, and it's Memorial Day, kids. And with Memorial Day coming up, summer is here. You may have some summer questions that you want to ask, and you know what? I've been around, you know. So I can help you out if you're willing to text in. Carrie is here. Brooke, uh, Brooke has been here now for, what was your, you, did you start in March? March. Mm-hmm. So March, April, May, three months. You've brought so much to the table in regards to this particular segment because you bring, obviously, the female perspective, but you're also so rational. So uh, we really appreciate uh, your (laughs) intelligence and uh, what you bring in terms of uh, asking Uncle Randy. Yeah, that's what Tommy said whenever he brought me in. He was like, you know, we really want you in for these Uncle Randy segments. I guess we'll keep you around for the other stuff, too, you know? Yeah, no, that's great. I I think Carrie and I agree that I do declare, and we need to have a segment. I do declare. We can't do it as well as, as Brooke can. I thought that was beautiful, Carrie. Yeah. You give us one just for fun. Oh, goodness. Okay. <clears throat> I, it's like I have to like imagine myself in like a little you're, bonnet or something like that. Do you, yes. do, you, do you need a fan? I do. Yeah, I do. I do yes. need a fan because it is quite hot in here. I do declare. <laughs> declare. Sometimes it needs a little bit extra. Perfect. All right. Let's get to the texts for Ask Uncle Randy. Matthew, what do you got for this us? Is a, this is a really good one. Rand, Uncle Randy, my wife has been wanting to try new meals to cook. She gets the recipes online and they just aren't that good. When she asks for my honest opinion, she gets mad and says I'm ungrateful. I can't even grab the salt shaker. What should I do? You cannot win. Here would be my recommendation. If she's trying new recipes online, there's a million recipes online. Why don't you get one that contains ingredients that you like and say, hey, babe, let's try this one. And here's the other thing. Cook with her. One of the most fun things. Have you cooked with David yet? Yes. Okay. There. I don't know if it's exactly fun. Carrie, yes. <laughs> yes. Cook, cooking together can be fun. So... If you have a problem with her cooking, I would suggest that you try offering your services and cooking together with a a, a recipe that you choose. Any disagreement here? Uh, No, I I think it's about the approach. I have to ask both of you guys, has there been a situation where you didn't like your partner's cooking? And did you say something and how did that go? I have to know. I just have to know. How did it go? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it didn't go great. I mean, (laughs) it never does. It never will. Put it on wax, brave man. Well, it wasn't me that said anything. It was uh, an event, a family event. And it was. It was a it was a trial. She was trying something. I said, "Hey, uh, yeah, that's. Oh no, it's." 
Yo, Trey's not. It's, it's, don't, don't do that. Not for, <laughs> don't try something new on a family no. event. I think that I think that that's fair. I think that's yeah. very fair. I always like joke with David because early on, you know, when he was wooing me, he mm-hmm. he would cook like a lot of meals and all that kind of stuff. It's gone all out the window. I'm, <laughs> I'm the only one that does like consistent cooking and, in that house, and he doesn't say anything, and that's great. And there's sometimes I know it's terrible, and I'll say it. I'll be like, I overcook this a little bit, and he'll eat it. Yeah. Very I kind mean, of him. You are such a Shania Twain fan. <laughs> I am. Yes. Yes. And she's coming here in June. Yes. Right, yeah. uh, were his meals good that he cooked for you while he was wooing you? Uh, yeah. He would sometimes forget about the sides, but he, <laughs> he was pretty good at remembering the main, the main course. <laughs> That's a good thing. <laughs> Sorry, we're getting, okay. we're getting more terrible uh, people whose wives are terrible cooks. And I don't oh, know no. Me laugh. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't tell her that it's just they say, hmm, don't even give her, this is interesting. <laughs> don't, don't, never go with it. This oh, is interesting. The, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, the, there's a cooking only class? Guys. Like a couple's cooking class, yeah. maybe? Yeah, that's a great idea. Yep. See, so then you're together, yeah. yep. so you're not like, oh, God, you need to go <laughs> to this yes. cooking class. That's a good plan, bro. Dear Uncle Randy, my wife wants advances for her birthday and Christmas presents. Her B-Day isn't until October. Is this too far out, and will she still expect something on those days if I cave now? She will absolutely expect <laughs> it. Oh, come um, on. Yeah, on her birthday and Christmas. But you know what? There is a great holiday if you want to maintain peace and if you want to... You know, enjoy Memorial Day night. <laughs> There's this holiday called Just Because. And take advantage of it. And when you see that opportunity to make her happy, do what you can to make her happy. Why Just Because? Right? Brooke, That's, is there... That was uh, artful. Again, the that female perspective. Is there a holiday indeed called Just Because that women love? Uh, yes, yeah, don't even sure. deny it. I think even if it's like a small gesture, like even like a little note or something like that. And I know that love languages, I think, are like a big thing amongst the youngins now, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I, I keep hearing like, you know, the younger the generation youngins. talking. The young, the I don't youngins. know, because I've never heard of it before until recent years, love language. And apparently love language could be, Gooey you know, like cake. act of service or, you know, even gifts. And I'm like, I think everybody likes gifts, huh? I mean, that's a great love language. <laughs> right. Some people don't like give, some people don't like receiving gifts because it feels like a, like a transactional. It's like okay, I have to give you something that's yeah. like as like I have to make sure I give you gifts it's now. One hundred percent worth it. I, they're saying some people <laughs> like that. Uh, Uncle Randy, I love grilling, but my wife hates everything smoky or grilled. How do I get around this so I can enjoy it and make her happy? You can't make her happy, but here's my thing. So like, I'm the only person that eats red meat in my family. So what am I going to do this weekend, Memorial Day weekend? I'm making myself some great burgers. You're going to grill them. Yep. And you know what? If So I've, I've got the Traeger to smoke things, and I've got a Weber grill. I don't know why anybody wouldn't like anything on a, a Weber gas grill. It's just like putting stuff in the oven. But I'll do... Uh, you know, I'll, I'll do grilled vegetables for them, and uh, you know, I'll, I'll I'll do what they want on on the gas grill, and I'll put my stuff on the Traeger. So what you have to do is be amenable to servicing her culinary needs by providing her things that she likes. I, some people don't like certain things. If somebody ever served me liver, no chance, no <laughs> chance, right? I'm not going to eat it. So what you have to do is say. Uh, you know what she likes. So you say, can I make you this on Memorial Day? And hopefully she'll say yes. But find something that she likes that you can make for her, too. And make two separate things. You don't have to, you don't have to make the same thing. And people don't have to eat the same thing. 
And it's frustrating at times, but people don't have it. It is frustrating yeah. at times. It's frustrating when you cook meals for three, four different people. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Big Mac, Mark McGuire <laughs> had that issue, and one of his kids was vegan, and one of his kids, I think, was glucose, or not glucose, uh, what's the... Gluten. Mm. Gluten free. Gluten, yeah. So they literally had... Like they would go to a restaurant and they would have six different orders oh, because no. of specialty needs yeah. for, for the three girls and then the son and and Mark and his wife. It's, That's a lot. Yeah, it, it is. is. Uh, Ask My girlfriend of a year and a half is getting impatient to get engaged. Her parents and friends keep bringing it up too. I just don't have the money to get married yet. I'm working on it. Advice? Okay, that is a legit reason to. Uh, not have purchased her a ring yet, but that does not preclude you from asking her to take your hand in wedded bliss. Go with the old ribbon around the finger or something like that and say, babe, I can Ribbon can't. around the finger? <laughs> something like that. This is no, you, because if you can't afford the ring, you can still afford the commitment. Be prepared. Yeah. Find a way to make that cr- commitment and ask her to marry you. But say, we have to wait because I can't afford it. I'm still ascending mm. in my life economically. And I want I, I love you and I want to marry you. So I just want you to know that I'm committed. Let her family know that you're committed. So the thing you can't afford right now is a ring. Right. So fine. Or, or a wedding. Because exactly. weddings are right. very expensive, So there, there's too. two plays here. Uh, you can get the ring, or you can do the microwave. And the microwave <laughs> works very, very well for a long time. Don't do the so, microwave. No, no. no. <laughs> Karen, Karen, Karen says, <laughs> don't give your okay. girlfriend a microwave. Which she's wanting an engagement ring. This is a Long term, long term, the microwave might not work. Okay, I'll, I'll give you that. But um, just if you make that commitment and tell her, look, I want to marry you. And she can tell her family we're getting married. He just can't afford a ring yet, but he's working his way up towards that. That would be my suggestion is you don't have to have a ring to make a commitment. <laughs> I, I do like that idea. And it, it if your significant other is, if your her family and friends balk at that, then that kind of, kind of gives you an idea yeah. of what you're, what you're walking into. You understand your finances. You understand where you want to be, where you, where you need to be in order to support a family, children eventually, mm-hmm. a home, all of those things. So uh, this is a, uh, it sounds like a good, a wise decision, and I agree with you. The commitment sh- should be known, but understand that hey, we have to hold off on yes. all of the other procedures. A hundred percent, and that's the responsible thing to do too. Yes. Uh, well, and here's the thing: when you said when you said ring around the finger, I just hadn't the, ribbon, the ribbon around the uh, ribbon around the that's finger. I have not heard that in such a long time. So that was just me reacting <laughs> to not cool, hearing man. that in such a long time. Well, it's, it, it's, it's inexpensive, <laughs> and, it's, and it's classier it than a box of Cracker Jacks. And, and here, here's the thing: is I I get it. I feel like a year and a half. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't think that there's like an exact window on when you need to get engaged. So that's my first thought when I heard that is like, I don't see the rush necessarily, Mm -hmm. especially if you're saving up money. I'm sure that your significant other, she's aware that you're saving up money if you're vocalizing that as well. Like, I do see a forever with you. You don't have to worry about that. I'm just making sure that we, I have enough money to get you the ring that you want or anything. And I mean, there's, there's other things to get to. I know that, um, what is the other thing that's not like an actual diamond? That is zirconia, is like, cubic zirconia. Um, there's like the there's like a there's like a lab grown <laughs> one that a lot of people. It's like brilliant earth that people use now uh, too, which is another option. Or I don't know. I don't see what she thinks about ring pops. 
Bring oh. Pop There you go. There's I, another great I don't great know play. that that's a good one either. I, well, just temporary. <laughs> just and temporary. I, I do think and it's eight, very temporary. Yeah. It's a very yeah. temporary <laughs> ring. <laughs> yeah, very super temporary. I, I do not blame her, by the way, after 18 months for being impatient. I think that's a reasonable amount of as time. Long as, you, as long as you're saying, I think that yeah. maybe... But we it, are getting married for yeah. however long. Yeah. yeah. You can have long engagements. 18 months? 18 months is a good amount of time. It's it's not the definitive amount of time, but I I would not blame a woman for being you know getting to a point she's single and if she doesn't know you're ready to make a commitment after a year and a half, maybe she moves on. I don't know. So did you get a response? <laughs> Ribbon around the finger. I do declare. <laughs> there you go. We've heard it before. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. And thank you very much for your texts. We do appreciate them. The Cardinals have some injuries and some guys coming back from injuries. We're going to tell you the latest that we have on those next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. I'm 101 ESPN. Brooke and Carrie and Randy just got a text from former uh, 101 ESPNer, for, former Hubbard radioer. Yep, Brad Barnes, one of the all-time great human beings that I've ever known. And it's a uh, it's a pleasure that Brad is listening to us. He's he's getting married next month. Congrats! Nice. Yeah, congratulations. So, yeah, good for him. So good man, and uh, always like to hear from the one and the only Brad Barnes. Okay, the Cardinals have a couple of outfielders that are coming back that you would think rightly or wrongly, for one of them, are going to get opportunities to show that they can be consistent performers. Now, let's start with Dylan Carlson. And he, he's been on the shelf, and uh, he, he's on his way back. But I would think, Brooke and Carrie, tell me if I'm wrong, that when Dylan Carlson comes back, all due respect to Newt and the Nutty Neuters and the Newt Bar, uh, Lars Newt Bar Fan Club and the founder and president and treasurer and uh, ex- chief executive officer of the, the Lars Newt Bar Fan Club. But my guess would be that Dylan Carlson is going to be the Cardinal center fielder, right? Yes. I agree. 100%. Yeah. I don't think there's a doubt there. He, he proved himself to be the best outfielder that they have uh, and started hitting the ball pretty well at, at, at some point. I know... Hitting against uh, righties was it hitting left-handed is, is has been his issue. Yes, it has. And so he, um, if he can figure that out, because he's going to face a lot of those in the major leagues, he, he he's going to be able to uh, be the be the starting center fielder for for years to come. So he has been placed on the IL. He is retroactive to May 14th. So he is actually eligible to come off the IL today and. He might be in the lineup tonight. Meanwhile, Tyler O'Neill is still de- dealing with a low back strain. He's dealing with a, a, a bad back. Huh? CD, how long do you think he's had? I'm not about oh, a week back. There we go. No, I need these back <laughs> issues to stop so I, yeah. I don't hear that joke again. Uh, he's been out since May 5th. And it, it's really sad. And we aren't being unfair or and we aren't being untrue here. It's really sad that we, the expectation of a player is that he's going to get hurt. But that's just what Tyler O'Neill is. That's what it's been for him. Yeah. I mean, that's what it's that's been the big story for him, really. And I think everybody's been hoping that he could get back to his most recent when he was doing really well in 2021 when he had 34 home runs. And I think everybody's waiting for that moment for Tyler Neal to do that. And I know that he did stay in St. Louis this offseason. His first child mm-hmm. was even born here because he said that's what he was working on is making sure that he could actually last a full season playing wise. And it's just continuing not to pan 
pan out. And you thought, like, he did well. We discussed this in the World Baseball Classic for Team Canada. And that just didn't translate over into the Cardinals. And so yesterday, uh, he was ruled out for the future. (laughs) Because <laughs> he's Canadian. I know what you did that. Yeah. A boot. Uh, but he, he's going to be out of boat a few weeks more. Uh, his return to baseball activities canceled <laughs> because of lingering pain in his lower back. And when lingering pain in your lower back doesn't subside over the course of several weeks, generally that that portends something more serious. So generally from my um, you know experience, when you have low back pain, you have tight hamstrings. Mm. Your your hamstrings are pulling mm-hmm. on your back, and it's it's and hip it's flexors too. Hip right? flexors, hamstrings, everything. It, it, you're you're tight, and so I I'm, I don't know if that's the issue. I don't know if it's an issue from swinging too hard. I, it could be any of those things, but. The fact that he is often injured, and we talked about this going into the season, this was going to be an important year for him to make sure he stayed here in St. Louis, to make sure that he could be here throughout the entire season. And here we are on, with an IL stint because of an injury. It's I'm sure he's extremely frustrated and trying to figure out something. But if it is the fact that he just wants to lift that many weights and that's causing the injuries, he's going to have to really look at himself and not be so stubborn and say, okay, I love this part of my life. I I really enjoy this. Do I love working out and and possibly causing injury and and shortening my career more than I love playing baseball? Well, and it's interesting that you brought up the hamstring issues because that has been an issue for him in recent seasons. And even that was one of the things that he was talking about. Remember we had the whole Mm -hmm. kerfuffle with Tyler O'Neill and Ali Marmol with the discussion of if he was loafing it or not. That was something that he even mentioned is because of the prior hamstring issues that he's dealt with. That's why he kind of changed his approach when it came to base running this past offseason. And he's still having those issues. It seems like now that, as you mentioned, CD, it's more of a lower back issue that could come from the hamstring issues. Anytime I've had low back injuries, anytime I've had seen people with low back pain, it comes from the hamstrings i can i can watch a guy run and when they grab their back you haven't stretched you haven't you haven't lengthening lengthened that muscle enough for you to be able to run for extended periods of time without your back hurting so i don't know if that's the case with tyler o'neill like i said it could be from swinging too hard it could be a couple of other things but if that's what it is you have to make a decision as it pertains to your career what's more important are you a chiropractor guy uh, yes and no. I, I will go. Mm-hmm. I feel like the more I go, the more I need to go. Uh-huh. I don't know if that's uh-huh. if that's a real thing, but it just feels that way. But I do enjoy getting my back popped. Yeah, and the Cardinals and Blues both have chiropractors. The Blues chiropractor, Mike Murphy, is terrific. No, Murph. Yeah, he's terrific, isn't he? Yes, he is. He's fantastic. And uh, there's also a, uh, when Isaac Bruce had his hamstring issues in 97 and 98, a guy that I went to high school with, Mark Frank, is a terrific massage therapist. And Isaac credits Mark for his ability to come back from his hamstring issues, too. So sometimes players do go outside the organization to figure out what they need to do. But I I listen to Kerry here, and I I look at Tyler O'Neill, and I'm with you. I just think that his muscles are too tight, and I think he needs to eat a hot dog. (laughs) <laughs> the hamburger Just diet. Yep, stretch. Yeah. yeah. And, and and stretch, but you also, again, time. 
take off some of the weight. <laughs> like you, you have to make a decision. You have to decide: Do I want to yeah. be a power lifter and and compete in power lifting? Which his dad did. And and I don't know how much money they make, Randy, but I don't no, think they make as much players. as baseball players. Yeah, I don't think Scott Boris represents power lifters. I, I don't think so either. Shohei Otani is going to make six hundred million here yeah. soon. I, I mean, the, the the possibilities are limitless, but. You have to make a decision, yeah. and and until that decision is made, we're going to be in the same boat. So someone from the 618 texted in, and just want to clarify this. I wasn't saying that he was loafing either. I was saying that that was the discussion is if he was loafing or not with that whole kerfuffle with O'Neal yeah. and, and Ollie. But he says from the 618, he or she, he wasn't loafing. He was doing what the Cardinals trainers told him. Plus, everyone but Pop Warner knew he shouldn't have been sent. Tyler plays as hard as anyone. That's what has caused his many injuries. I think that there is a fair point in the way that he was here this offseason, kind of what we were talking about. He was trying to do that, where he was trying to make sure he could play as many games as he could. It just has not panned out. And, and there's Thanks for more. the text. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't, <laughs> that did sound kind of Tyler O'Neillish. I would say, I don't know that that playing hard is what causes injuries. Training and preparing yourself properly prevents injury. So if you do all of the things prior to the season and maintain it during the season, those are the things that are going to prevent you from pulling hamstrings. Or or the only time I pulled a hamstring was I wasn't playing. I, I literally pulled my hamstring. We were in Denver. The, the O-line cut off the bench, the heated bench, and it was cold. And I hadn't been playing, and I had to run down on kickoff, and my hamstring popped because I hadn't been warmed up. I wasn't stretched. I wasn't none of that. So it's it's more so not taking care of your body when those things happen as opposed to he's playing so hard, that's why he's hurt. Well, that's, not a, that's not a real thing. And let's be honest here about the hierarchy of a baseball team. Because if, if the exact same thing had happened with Paul Goldschmidt, Ali Marmol would have said, Paul, would you please run harder on that play? But on this particular play, it's that's not the way we do it. And by, by the way, I, I've heard, being around the ballpark a little bit, that you know Tyler O'Neill was upset about what Ali said after that. And there's clearly a personal loggerheads there. Yeah. But Ali did go to O'Neill both during and after that game, the second game of the season, and talk to him about that particular play. So it should not have come as a surprise, from what I understand, to Tyler O'Neill that Ali Marmal brought it up to the media. Yeah, it's just, it's interesting too, because I think O'Neill had so much promise. I think that we've even yeah. said that when he's good, he, you want him Stunt. there. I mean, he he's a gold glove winner for a reason. And when he's able to do what he has done, I would say a, a little bit ago at the plate, then you want him in your lineup. It's just this relationship seems like it's been souring over recent years with the Cardinals and Tyler O'Neill, including his arbitration and how that went. He was very vocal about how he was not exactly pleased with how that went, too. And it just continues to happen. He just needs a change of scenery, it seems like at this point. Yeah, and, and Tyler O'Neill is probably trying to protect himself. He wants to get paid. He wants that payday. He knows, you know, he's, he, he doesn't forget what he did a few years ago. He knows that. He understands mm-hmm. what he's capable of doing. He wants to get to that payday. All of us do. Every single player wants to get to free agency and get as much money as we, we feel that we deserve. Yeah, you should... Well, I'm not. I'm, I'll say, yeah. You, 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 <laughs> wait until it. after you have the contract before you don't play. Oh, well, yeah. Well, you got to stay healthy. <laughs> One of the all-time great nicknames in sports, Carl Pavano, former Expo, signs with the Yankees for big money, and he was hurt all the time. And his nickname was American Idol, I-D-L-E. 
<laughs> on, on the, in the New York tabloids, American Idol. It was a beautiful thing. Oh, Coming man. up next, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO. Take it or leave it. Coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Put it out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text into 314-399-9646. And give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final author. Take it or leave it. With Brooke Grimsley, Kerry Davis, Matthew Rocchio, I'm Randy Character. Time for Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN. Kids, did you see the quote from Aaron Rodgers yesterday in New York? His first media appearance since the trade. And he said to the assembled New York media, which obviously is going to get the word out, it's been like a dream month so far. He went on to talk about how Every day I wake up excited about coming to the facility. He also said, I have an excitement about coming down Jets Drive. It's surreal for sure. Take it or leave it. If you were a Green Bay Packers fan, you'd be even more pissed at Rodgers now. Uh, I mean, isn't your dream scenario supposed to be in Green Bay? (laughs) But aren't you supposed to come down Lombardi Drive? Why are you talking about the Jets being a dream month? You you don't have to say that. He went down Lombardi Drive and and rode those bicycles at camp for many years. He Uh, he gave them all that he could give them. Yeah, you know what? If I'm a Packer fan, I'm rolling my eyes. I'm saying, to hell with you. I don't need you anymore. You're not not excited? I'm done with him. Totally. And I don't even want him to come back to have that number 12 retired, like Favre did. Really? At least Favre didn't turn out that kind of crap. Well, Favre well, turned Favre out a so. different type of crap. <laughs> well, he yeah. did. There's, but, there's, there's a lot I mean, of shadiness. Favre got shady on top of he, shady. He, he did, but he, 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 he was always, he always expressed fond memories of Green Bay. Yeah, well. Even though his actions didn't quite jibe with his, his words. Hmm. Ah, I'll leave it. I, I'm I'm okay with I'm where Aaron Rodgers is. Tired of it. You'd rather him go back yeah. into the darkness, huh? Yeah, just hang, yeah, hang out with your darkness. witch. <laughs> she said she wasn't a witch. She said that. Well, he has a new woman now that's not the witch, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Is he dating the, is he dating the uh, daughter of the uh, Bucks co-owner? Oh, yeah. Mallory Odin? Oh, really? No, no, um, um, uh, I got the last hey. name wrong. I'm oh, proud of him. Business partner. He's, I'm proud of him. He's yeah. booked and he's, busy. He's, he's, he just keeps moving along. By the way, he has Keep a calf injury. Drinking. He's mispracticed because he has a calf injury, mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Mallory Edens, excuse me. Oh, okay. Better yeah, than, yeah. you know, sending yeah. stuff on social media. Yeah. Good luck with that, Mallory. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> Randy, I, I, I have a uh, thought that Justin Fields is going to be really good this year. Take it or leave it. He's going to be a top five MVP candidate. I'm going to leave that, Kerry. Really? Yeah. I think so. I think normally for, uh, at least this is my evaluation of quarterbacks, I prefer that they be able to throw. And so, yeah. Interesting note, I, 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 because this was this was intriguing to me. Mm-hmm. D- they just signed, they traded for DJ Moore in the offseason. Yeah. Do you know that if they, DJ Moore had spent his entire five-year career with the Chicago Bears, he would be the leading receiver all time in Bears history? Do you know who number three on the current all-time Bears leading receiver li- list is? I guess. Who? Bernard Berrien. No. You want to try? Number, number three. three. On their all-time receiving list. 
Walter? Walter Payton. Oh. Yeah. Right. What does that tell you about the history of wide receivers in Chicago? Not great? Not great. Wendell so. Davis, was it? With a guy who tore up both knees in Philly on one play? Uh, is Willie Galt number one? No, Willie Galt is not. Uh, you will not just completely ignore the, the last great Panther to go to Chicago in Moose and Muhammad. How dare you, sir? Yeah, he's not He's not top three on that list. Okay. I will get the list for you. But yeah, Walter Payton was number three. Okay. Were you about to skip over me? No, I, I, you're I, about to. He I was six. CD, you saw it. CD, you saw it. Once these cameras get on, you will get exposed, Rocky. You will get exposed, Rocky. It was a beautiful save, She's though, Rocky. Kick me. save and beauty. He tried, he, tried to, he tried to play it off, didn't he, CD? Kick save and uh, a beauty. Take it or leave, leave it. Rockio was going to skip me. Anyways. Take, um, it, take it. Take it. Better be a good one. My real one is... Uh, you know, social media can be a beautiful and terrible thing sometimes, especially when these so-called res- reports come out, when they really come from nothing. They just come from Reddit. I don't know if you guys saw last night, but uh, the, for whatever reason, some Guardians fans believe that they can somehow pull off a trade where they would get jo- Jordan Walker. And this is like hmm. spreading <laughs> like wildfire all, all over Guardians. Is, is, Twitter. Can I tell you why they believe that? Can we just point out that this is the same group that has the influence to make Will Levis like the favorite to be the number one pick in the draft? <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, they believe that because you sent Jordan Walker down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You gave you gave other people a reason to believe that he was available. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Yeah. So um, I wonder what you get for. I think they're. <laughs> do, do you get both? Bieber and police. They're they're wanting they're wanting something with Shane Bieber. I guess I I don't know no, what. No thanks. For what the, especially if the asking price is Jordan Walker, no way they're not doing that. But no, I mean I would like to see Shane Bieber, but I'm sure it's going to come at a pretty hefty price, and who knows what that is. I uh, well hey Walker's eight for his last seventeen, so yeah. you probably don't do it. I would top four. I'm sorry. He was Walter Payton is number four. Al- oh. Alshon Jeffrey is number three. Okay. Harlan Hill is two. Johnny Ooh. Morris is one. Oh. 1961, 1967. Yeah. That was that. That's that's your 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 number two and number one receivers in Chicago Bear history. Uh, no. Willie Galton is number nine. Okay. Good. But they good. were fantastic on Tecmo um, Bowl. By the way, I, I here's what. <laughs> I, know I, that. I want um, Matt Forte is top ten. Also, another running wow. back. <laughs> That's fantastic. You all know that. That's fantastic. <laughs> that is, uh, that's very cool. Uh, Matt Forte. is top 10. I had him on a couple of bad history. fantasy football teams over the years. Pride of Tulane, don't come after him. Take it or leave it. I thought the Contreras stuff was a kerfuffle. Wasn't the O'Neal stuff more of a hullabaloo? Uh, yeah. Mm. Well, well. Well played. Well played, yep. Okay, so here's what I want. I want from the Guardians, and I don't know what Reddit is saying, but I want uh, their top prospect, right-hander Gavin Williams, number 16 prospect in all of baseball. I want their number two prospect, uh, who is uh, number 42 overall. Uh, that is uh, uh, Daniel Espino, number, their number one. Gavin Williams, their number two. Plus, I want three starters on their current roster. I want their top three. Uh, I, I want Shane Bieber, Cal Quantrill, and... I will take Zach Plesak as as well. Thank you. I, I want those five for Jordan Walker. Five pitchers, yes. No. And by the way, you got to sign Shane Bieber before you trade him to me. No, thank you. I'll pass. Pitching, Jordan Walker is pitching, gonna. Pitching. Yeah, yeah. You got you got Libertor. 
We weren't. We're waiting on Gordon Graceppo still, aren't we? Yeah, Shane Bieber's a stud, though. Are, are we? Are we? Are we waiting on those guys? Yeah, we, we're always waiting on pitching. <laughs> to make it even worse, to the 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 Guardians trade thread that I got pulled into yesterday didn't even have Bieber. Well, oh, this, well, that's stupid. Like, that's, it was pathetically this text bad. So you did the, see it, right? I, I, got, I got pulled into a different thread of it was ridiculous. And then this there was Shohei. From the 816 says we can get Jordan Walker and Mason yeah. Wynn for Shohei. Yeah, well, no. and that and that's what I was about to say too. Yeah. As also for whatever reason, the Shohei Otani stuff especially <laughs> heated up yesterday. I was like, "What is happening on Twitter right now?" And and it literally comes from nothing. It just no. and there's Nothingness. nothing. It's just nothing. <laughs> I would love Shohei Otani. Believe me, I would love Sho- Shohei Otani. But like it, the reports came from nowhere. He better or, be signed. I, yeah, it essentially right. was. Like like fan and blog accounts using yes. trade machine, and then oh. other people who are more legitimate being like, "Well, this is this is ridiculous." Fans don't even talk about it, and then they got mad about those comments. Okay. Um, take- I, I want the Guardians' top two pitching prospects, <laughs> and I want you know what? Uh, in addition to their top three starters, can I get their uh, best outfielder too? Oh, you want it all? Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. I'm giving up Jordan Walker. By the way, uh, the the. Prospect they were throwing into the trade, apparently, according to these fans, was a middle infielder. And I was like, yeah, because the Cardinals, yeah, that's need, what the Cardinals yeah. really need right now is a middle infielder. <laughs> um, take it or leave it. Skyline Chili is the most ridiculous city specific food in America. Buddy, oh. you live in St. Louis. Hmm. <laughs> you know, I have an unpopular viewpoint of Skyline Chili. I like it. I've never had it. Oh, I've never had the, it either. The Skyline Chili Dog, Mm-mm-mm. it is delicious. I know a lot of people don't like it. But yes, I, like I have to dogs. agree with Matthew here yeah. that uh, we do have Emo's Pizza, which is quite polarizing. <laughs> yep, love it, love it. But I also all am, the, listen. All the Emo slander on this, on this, at, at, from seven to ten. Stones and glass houses. Uh, baby, it's all I'm saying. I, and I, I love it. I just, I know, I'm self-aware enough as a St. Louisan to know that it's polarizing. Oh, Such, so, so is Skyline Chili, by the I way. I love, I love Emo's. You know, it, it, you know what's interesting? Be the right one. Everybody loves Promati Brothers. Everybody does. You don't. I mean, it doesn't okay. do a lot for me. Okay, it's, good. It's oh, that's awesome. thing. So would you, would you classify these the sandwiches? But it's Pittsburgh. Yeah, so it, it's Pittsburgh. Polarizing. Describe these sandwiches. So it's it's meat, it's fries, it's everything you can put on a sandwich. And I, I don't know all of the toppings, but it's it's a lot. Uh-huh. Now, it, it's it's it can be good for those that partake in that so. often. But if you've never had it and you want to try something try Pittsburgh-y, it. you go try a Permani Brothers sandwich. You don't. You may not try one, but it just uh, it depends. Text line: What's the city-specific food that is not polarizing? Is it New York-style pizza? Does yeah. anybody well, not like? Well, some people still are polarizing with that one too. I can't like, imagine that's... not liking New York-style pizza. Uh, pizza is pizza. I have never. Great. Uh, we'll Chicago raise. deep dish. They 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 I, rave about. That. I love it. Here's I know a lot thing. of people don't like it. Here's my thing. Chicago people love to make fun of St. Louis pizza, but every time I run to a Chicago person and talk about deep dish, they go, No, no, no. You haven't. You never had it. The yeah. real Chicago yeah. pizza <laughs> is this thin crust pizza, and the look that glazes over my face, like, I'm sorry, did you just say your pizza is thin crust pizza, and yeah. all you do is take Rip shots? Yeah. What are you talking yep. about here? And Michelle Smallman hates deep dish. I mean, she's she has a visceral when I would bring it up, a physical reaction. <laughs> and their thin crust is not better than Nemo's. Okay. I will, well, Lisa from, from the text line, Philly, and their, their cheesesteaks are. Oh. They're they pretty are, universally yeah. they are, accepted. They are. Buffalo amazing. wings. Yeah, buffalo wings. Yes. Uh, how can you not like buffalo wings? Yeah. Anchor bar and grill. Hot chicken? What about Nashville hot chicken? That's grown in popularity. Yeah. You know, we've got a, a hot chicken place here uh, over on um, Dorset at Chuck's Hot Chicken, and it's, by all accounts, delicious. 
So uh, we, we got to try it. We got to bring some of that in. I, I think that I, I've had, quote unquote, Nashville hot chicken, and mm-hmm. it's not the actual hot chicken. It's just buffalo sauce. So I need to oh. know that it's actual hot chicken where you, you're feeling it for a while afterwards, okay. if, well, you, if you catch what I'm putting down. We'll, we'll get right. a report here, I, I, because I think I have you're a... Uh, I forgot you don't like I super spicy things. spicy food. It, it just, it's unsettling for me. My, it's not my a fun heart. experience. I have gotten... Brooke, I have gotten out of bed at three o'clock in the morning to go get some some Tums mm. or some uh, um, Alka Seltzer. Yeah, because I I felt like I was dying. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I can understand why that wouldn't be fun. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Couldn't sleep anymore. <laughs> the pain in my chest. I gotta go get some Alka Seltzer to. Get this out. Merlin crab cakes are another one. Hi. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Good call. Good call. Thank you very much for the text. We do appreciate them. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. Coming up on 101 ESPN, should Matthew Libertor replace someone in the rotation? Maybe a lefty that hasn't logged a win in 10 months? It's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's Fresh Take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. Reward yourself. Earn 2% back on every purchase with the Schnucks Rewards app. interesting situation right now. Matthew Libertor, who is one of their prized prospects, and by the way, they did give up Randy Arozarena for Libertor. He threw five innings in his season debut last week as a starter, and then allowed a couple of runs as a reliever on Sunday. And despite the fact that he has pitched very well, and Steven Matz has not pitched very well, Libertor is the one that's being kept out of the rotation right now. And Steven Matz, with the four-year $44 million contract, is in the rotation. The Cardinals have one lefty in the bullpen right now. That's Henesis Cabrera. Last year, Steven Matz, as a reliever with the Cardinals when he came back from his injury, pitched in five games. He struck out three, small sample size, struck out three, walked one, but had a 1.69 ERA and did look really good coming out of the bullpen. I, I wonder why the Cardinals are so in well i know why they're so insistent about keeping him in the bullpen because he does have the four-year 44 million dollar contract but the guy hasn't won a game as a starter in 10 months and you have a guy that showed some ability guys i i'm not saying the cardinals should take mats out of the rotation but i would rather see libertor in there as a, a sixth member and if you do feel like you need to have a five-man rotation i have no problem with steven Matz trying his hand in the bullpen yeah i don't either but you know what the big difference is the contracts? $44 million yep, difference. That's yep. that's the big difference right there. And I think with Steven Matz, too, as you mentioned there, it's been 10 months since he has gotten a win. And he dealt with injuries prior. So I think everybody was hoping that this would also be a season where he took a step forward. And it's been very incremental with him, right, with his progress. Not as quick as you would like it to see with some of the other guys compared to like a Miles Michaelis or even I know that Jack Flaherty can kind of be hit or miss as well, too. But it feels like he has the more slower progression. And you have Matthew Libertor who we've been talking about for a while has been doing everything that you wanted in the minors. He took a major step forward during the offseason to be a starter and you know that he's going to eventually be a part of your starting rotation in the future and so when I thought when they called him up I'm like great you have a long stretch of games here this is a perfect time to bring him up 
I, I'm fine with the six-man rotation, and I know that maybe you would use him coming out of the bullpen as well, too. It, it's just, I thought by bringing him up that he would actually be, you know, some young blood coming in, competing possibly for that spot, because not only can he help this group now, but you're also looking ahead to the future with this starting rotation, too, because there's a lot of big question marks with that as well, when all you have locked up for next season is Steven Matz and Miles Michaelis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought Libertor pitched performed extremely well in his first start. I was surprised as well that he's not that there's there is not a six man rotation. I kind of thought that that would be the mindset and it would be pending on how well or how poorly match performed. I think right now we're still waiting. As you said, Randy hasn't won a game in 10 months, hasn't won a game this year. Hasn't gotten the run support, so I won't place it all on his shoulders. There have been some times, I mean, there were some games where they he just didn't get any help. Um but also, there are times where he's gripping that ball extremely hard, showing frustration. I talked about it his last start. He was extremely upset about not getting a call and then walked the batter because, you know, you can't refocus and lock back in and dial back into what's going on. I hope that it's not just the contract that is playing here. I hope that, you know, this is not about saving feelings and making sure everyone feels good because guess what? You know what feels good? Winning. Winning feels good. And sometimes, uh, just like Jordan Poole had to realize in the playoffs, we might be winning with you watching. And it is mm-hmm. what it is. It's nothing personal. You, you want to play? Play better. You want to stay on the mound? Play better. Perform better. Do your best job. And if not, someone else is going to take your place. Well, and here's the thing, too. I think the comments were very jarring as well with what John didn't put out because this is how it was phrased with John didn't what he put on Twitter. He said, Marmal said the team can't afford overexposing the bullpen just just so Libertor can start in Cleveland. I think that was like a very, that was a comment that did not go over well on well, social media. And of course, we're not there in person to hear how he's exactly delivering. Sometimes, you know, when you're reading something, it mm-hmm. comes off a little bit harsher than what it would be in person. But at the same time, you're just kind of like, oh, oh okay. Well, I thought that he was going to start because they said, I think it was literally on Sunday, um, Matthew Libertor will indeed get a start in the upcoming Ohio road trip, which I mean... <laughs> Still could be true, but right. it seems like it's more that they're looking at him in the bullpen and right they, now. And they don't appear to have confidence in Libertor giving them more than five innings. When you look at the game log of Matt's this year, he's in his eighth year. He's going to be 32 years old on Monday. And 94 pitches, five and a third. 92 pitches, five and two-thirds. 110 pitches, five and two-thirds. Five and a third and 94 pitches. 90 pitches to go four innings. 93 pitches, five innings. 94 pitches, five and a third. 91 pitches, five and a third. And then four and two-thirds in his last outing, and he threw 103. By this point in his career, he should be reasonably efficient. And... My concern is Stephen Matz overexposing the bullpen. Too many Cardinal pitchers, well, every Cardinal starter essentially, is overexposing their bullpen by requiring the bullpen to give them too many outs. Every single one of them. I agree. I would say even though he only went four and two-thirds, his last start might have been his best start. Mm-hmm. He just yeah. didn't get the run support. And the thing that I, I'm going to harp on it is I got I didn't like seeing him get frustrated because yeah. when you allow the opponent to know that they got you, the umpire, you're, you you talk about Nolan Arenado showing up an umpire, which he didn't do yesterday. When you visibly show frustration towards a, a lack of a, a, a called strike, you're showing up that umpire. So, of course, he's going to remember that. And, and now you're putting yourself in a in a tougher position. I didn't like that from him. I, want, I need to see him, see him control his emotions and go out 
there and pitch and perform well. And by the way, if you have a top three that are giving you seven innings on a regular basis, and Steven Matz is your fourth or fifth, you can take what he's yeah. giving you as a fourth or fifth guy. But Steven Matz is excited, expected to be a one, two, or three. That's where the Cardinals have an issue because they've got too many guys right now that we love Wayno, but Wayno's a back of the rotation guy at the age of 41. Matz is a back of the rotation guy right now. Libertor, you don't know. He is a back of the rotation guy. When mm-hmm. your number one and two, Flaherty and Michaelis, are doing what they're doing, and the rest of your rotation is four and five guys, you can't long-term win that way when you aren't getting more innings out of your rotation. Well, and also, here's another question for you guys, too. Just from the optics of it as well, and Randy, especially, you know, in the past, it seems like the Cardinals have this history, too, with kind of what they do with their top pitching prospects, where it seems like it looks like from the outside you're kind of jerking them around a little bit. Yeah, and what you need to do is, and, and they didn't do this with Jack Flaherty, and he was brilliant in 2019, and then when he came back after the COVID year, brilliant in 2021. But yeah, if you have a pitcher and you determine that he's ready, you put him in there and let him pitch, and let him just accept what the big leagues have to offer, because at some point, same thing with Jordan Walker, guys have to deal with adversity. Things aren't going to be great for baseball players throughout yes. the course of their career. So you let a guy like Matthew Libertor, who has worked hard, He's getting it up to 96, 97 now, not all the time, but his stuff is good enough that you let him take his lumps and become a better pitcher at the big league level. He looked he looked really good. And it yeah. was up to ninety-eight. And it yeah. was and the, the the change from ninety-eight to seventy-eight, when I tell you, Randy, those batters looked like they were uh just standing and trying mm-hmm. to figure some things out. They couldn't figure it out at all. So I really liked what he did. Hopefully he gets that start uh, in Ohio at some point. Yeah, I hope so. And by the way, one other quick thing here, and I've mentioned this. I'm willing to admit when I'm wrong. You guys know that. Yes. So um, I have called Stephen Matz the next Steve Carlton. Both named Steve, both wearing number 32 for the Cardinals, both left-handed. I've said it before. I'm going to retract that statement. Steven Matz is not going to be the next Steve Carlton. Are you are you ready to retract Hannes Wagner? Hannes Wagner? <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> oh, I tried. No. I tried, St. Louis. I tried. Okay. Hey, we've got a quick bird watch for you next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Flying down to the field to give you the latest on your St. Louis Cardinals. This is Bird Watch on the opening drive. All right, time for a little Bird Watch. And we'll. There we go. Brooke, what do you got? Uh, well. I, I know that Kerry pointed this out yesterday, but I think we need to reiterate after another victory last night. Um, you know that ever since Wilson Contreras got to be a catcher again, which is hmm. what what he does, uh, hmm. the Cardinals have been undefeated with him back mm. behind the plate. It's kind of weird because he's a DH, right? And at one yes. point, maybe even an outfielder, but it, I don't know. It, it's, it's very interesting. It kind of makes you feel like maybe he wasn't the problem question mark <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe he wasn't but it got people's attention it did and you know there's there's probably way more layers to it um and maybe just communication has actually worked out you kind of wish that it would have happened a little bit sooner and not in the manner that it played out in so publicly yeah. <laughs> but i think it's not a coincidence a coincidence i was gonna say not a wink-a-dink. Wink-a-dink. yeah I, I was trying to be proper and then i should just went with the gut <laughs> Instinct, right? Right, CD? But yeah. um, 
at the same time, I think that that's that's pretty telling and a good sign. I'm I'm happy yeah. for Wilson in that situation, especially with how public that was. Yeah, it's and like you've said before, Brooke, he handled everything exceptionally well. Yes, throwing out a runner last night that was a big play, and he's he's doing everything that I think the Cardinals can reasonably expect from him at this stage. He is. He's he and and again, the fact that they're undefeated when he's behind the plate, mm-hmm. I don't know that that. Um, you know, is a direct correlation to him being the catcher, but I do think that it gives your lineup more pop. So it it could potentially be part of the reason, and and we talked about it already, when you have him at catcher and you have a DH in the lineup as opposed to trying to shuffle some people around, you have a potential to have a, a really tough lineup for opposing pitchers to get out, and we expect them to score eight runs a game, and they did that last night. Yeah, they did. Randy, I'm going to go with Tommy Edmond. He is a guy. Can I say it first? Go ahead. Tommy Edmond. There we go. So, Tommy Edmond is a is a player who it it feels as though he's essentially lost his shortstop job. Right? Paul DeYoung has performed and played well to his credit. We are I know some people are waiting for it to fall off, but he's done outstanding since his return uh, from his rehab and and so Tommy Edmond is a guy that is just finding at bats any way he can and He's doing a fantastic job, whether it's in right field, whether it's at shortstop or, or second base or wherever they're putting him at, he's doing an outstanding job. Right now, he's batting 285 um, and uh, has a OPS 890, I believe. That is happened where he in is. a hurry, that, too. It happened really yeah. fast. And, and, and so I'm looking at his stats. Since May 15th, he is 14 for 29, batting 460, 470. He's done an outstanding job this season. Uh, and and more importantly, what I what I'm really uh, I guess proud of is the fact, as I said, you lose your starting job because we thought he was the starting shortstop. Yep. You lose your starting job and you still come to work. He's one of those guys. He's become the utility guy. Him and Brendan Donovan, mm-hmm. they have two of them now, and they're using him all over the place. And he's still taking care of his business. If he continues to hit this way, he's going to work himself into an everyday spot, and you know someone else is going to be out of that. So I, it's. It's intriguing as to how this lineup day-to-day is sorting itself out. It seems like some positions are. The outfield, we're still waiting. But Tommy Edmond is going to play well every day if he continues to play, continues to play this well. He's a sneaky, really good player. Because yes. we you, you see him, and he's hitting 236, and then all of a sudden, like you mentioned, he's hitting 285. Yeah. But at the end of the year, his numbers are always there. And yes, it, it's a roller coaster. He goes into some bad slumps, but he's solid defensively. He, he could win a gold. Well, he's been a gold glove finalist at both second and short. I don't know if he'd be a gold glove outfielder, but he certainly isn't going to lose you games. Right playing in the outfield. He's just a really good, valuable player to have. Do you see him in the lineup every day? I yeah, mean, he's got to be in the lineup I mean, him playing second base might be the move. If you got Gorman, that would Gorman mean you have, to, you have to have Wilson behind the plate. Gorman is your DH, and you put Tommy Edmond at second base. I think you have a, 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 a guy, a middle infield for sure, that you trust and not allow runs. Well, and we always expect Paul DeYoung to turn into a pumpkin, don't we? I mean, everybody does. <laughs> I'm not waiting on it. I, I refuse to. I am, I am going to stand alone if I have to. Paul DeYoung is here to stay. Hannes Wagner is here to stay. his play for this year. Okay. In terms of his. I like how you followed it up with that. It was like the terms and conditions afterwards. In terms of this year, make sure you're here. Guys, uh, we mentioned Zach Thompson in the last segment, and he's had a rough go of it down in Memphis. He is 0-1 with a 13.03 earned run average. Last night, he gets rocked in two and, two, two and a third innings. He allows six runs, five of them earned, on five hits in those two and a third. He walks four, did 
strike out five, but he's having trouble stretching out. And hopefully the Cardinals will be able to uh, get the Zach Thompson that they had up here in the bullpen. Meanwhile, that's the bitter part. How about the sweet part? Jordan Walker with a home run last night. Jordan Walker is eight for his last 17. And so far, yeah. Oh, hey, uh, J-Dub. Yeah, he's got things going. The batting average up to 239, the OPS up to 719. And with the fact that he is 8 for his last 17 with a couple of homers and a double, maybe he's starting to figure out what the Cardinals want from him in terms of making the changes necessary to get him back up here to the major league level. He looks, his swing looks like a fly ball hitter now. And I hope that they, the Cardinals don't turn him into Chris Carter, who once led the league in home runs, the National League in home runs with Milwaukee at 41, but he hit about 202 and he was out of the league in two years. Mm. I hope that that's not what they turn Jordan Walker into. I don't think he will because he has, I mean, he has everything you need. He's going to be able to hit the ball on the ground and beat out, you know, runs, beat out, beat out throws to first base. He can do all of it. So I'm hoping that this launch angle just makes his game that much better. He he performed extremely well while he was here. If he's launching the ball and hitting, out, hitting it out of the park and hitting, hitting it into the gaps, we're going to see someone really special. He's and got three homers, four doubles, and his uh, his on base is three thirty three. So they probably want the walk rate to be a little bit higher, Brooke. Well, and also, too, I saw there was a video that was posted yesterday of the coaches in Memphis talking about Jordan Walker, and that was one thing that they really brought up is how he's handling this situation really, really well and how he's handling adversity really well, too, and that his mentality is so strong through this. Yeah, and they told him he handled adversity well until he faced adversity. They didn't handle the adversity. These were different coaches, though. These were different coaches. He handled it well. The Cardinals didn't. didn't handle his adversity very well. Well, <laughs> but hopefully we'll see him back here sooner rather than later. What's the date, CD? June 27th is June what I came up with. Is that is that yep. that's the first game against Houston? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. After this. So, everyone's jet lag him in there. Yeah. yeah. There's your bird watch on 101 ESPN coming up. We've got the fight. Uh we've got a returning fighter. Yes, Jeremy will be back on with us. Oh, yeah. Congratulations back. to him. He'll be back in just a moment here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight! In the red corner, average Joe listener! And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive! Please welcome Randy Carricker! Welcome back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley, and it is time for the fight and our fighter returning from yesterday, Jeremy. Jeremy, how you doing? Good, Kerry. How about you? Doing well. You feeling as good as you did yesterday, or are you feeling better? Uh, I feel about the same. So when you when you win against Randy, do you uh, brag to your friends? Do you do you talk to your friends about it? Uh, a little bit, yeah. It's kind of hard not to. <laughs> well, let's see if you can get two in a row, and then you can really tell them how great you are at trivia. Yeah, sounds good. All right, here we go. The Las Vegas Golden Knights are on the cusp of their second Stanley Cup final appearance in just their sixth season. Who did they lose to in the final after the inaugural in, after their inaugural season? Was it the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Pittsburgh Penguins, or the Washington Capitals? Uh, it was the Capitals' first cup. Yep. Which 1980s Cardinal is just one of the two post World War II Cards pitchers to throw double-digit shutouts in a single season? 
Joaquin Andujar, Bob Forsh, or John Tudor? Uh, I want to say Tudor. Happy birthday to Hall of Famer Tracy McGrady. McGrady led the NBA in scoring in back-to-back seasons at the height of the AI Kobe era. Which team was he playing for when he did it? The Orlando Magic, the Houston Rockets, or the Toronto Raptors? Um, what was the first one? Orlando Magic. I'll say that one. Which current NHL franchise can trace its roots to Casey's last NHL team, the Kansas City Sa- Scouts? Is it the Winnipeg Jets, New Jersey Devils, or the Colorado Avalanche? Uh, I want to say the Devils. All right, we're going to double check those scores and we'll bring in Randy Carricker. Jeremy, how are you feeling today? Pretty good. You feeling pretty good today after that one. Okay. I, I, <laughs> I like your confidence. You, you, you said hockey and baseball yesterday, correct? That's right. All right. Well, you got a couple of those in there today, so I guess you would be feeling pretty good. Randy, say hello to Jeremy again. Hey, Jeremy, again. How you doing, man? (laughs) How about you, Randy? It is great to have you with us. We appreciate you listening. Appreciate you playing. Always good to have you with us. Thank you. No problem. Thank you. All right, Randy, here we go. All right. The Las Vegas Golden Knights are on the cusp of their second final, excuse me, their second Stanley Cup final appearance in just their sixth season. Who did they lose to in the final after their inaugural season? Um, that would have been the uh, Washington Capitals, I believe. Which 1980s Cardinal is just one of two post-World War II Cards pitchers to throw double-digit shutouts in a single season? Um, Double-digit shutouts, so that would mean mean more than nine. Uh, I think that I would be inclined to go with John Tudor's 10 in 1985. I think that would be, um, I think that would be more than nine. I'm going to go with John Tudor's 10. Happy birthday to Hall of Famer Tracy McGrady. McGrady led the NBA in scoring in back-to-back seasons at the height of the AI Kobe era. Which team was he playing for when he did it? I think this was, I think he left Toronto early, right? And, I, and, and he went to Orlando. And I think he played better for Orlando. For, for, whatever, for whatever reason, I think we remember him with Toronto. Because that was like their first years. But I think he had his greatest success with the Magic. So I'm going to go with the Orlando Magic with that one. Which current NHL franchise can trace its roots to Casey's last NHL team, the Kansas City Scouts? Kansas City Scouts, Colorado Rockies, New Jersey Devils. I will go with the New Jersey Devils. I thought I did really good on the fight today, but uh, apparently <laughs> I was just not. going up against two experts. Because <laughs> we have a tie, and like here, here's how good, here's how good the tie was. Go crazy, folks! Go crazy! I don't have bells yet, but you fools got all four correct, both of you. So good job there, Jeremy. Unfortunately, wow. getting the jack today does not get you a guaranteed win. You got to go to a tiebreaker, and considering you won on a tiebreaker yesterday, do I need to say the rules again? Nope. nope. All right, we're going to have Jeremy say his answer first. Randy will write down his answer, and then have Randy say his answer. Yeah. It is closest to the pin, and uh, it's a similar question because I've been liking these ones, and I feel like they're gettable. So here's our tiebreaker. Randy Carricker, do you have your pen and paper? I'm ready. All right, I hope you've been studying. Sure it works. It hope does. You, hope you've been studying your NFL greats because I've been liking these questions okay, lately. Good. Across his 15 seasons in the league, how many different 1,000-yard rushing seasons did Emmett Smith tally? 
across his 15 seasons in the league, how many different 1,000-yard rushing seasons did the all-time leader rush for? How many different rushing seasons in 15 seasons? We're going to get Randy's guess first right off the bat. And what is your guess audibly, Mr. Jeremy? Uh, 10. And Randy, what is your guess? I guessed 11. I don't have to do much math. This is a close one. Does Jeremy move on to a Hall of Fame opportunity or was getting the jack not enough? Does Randy Carricker... Take it back and not yell at me today. <laughs> Ring that bell. And still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is presented by Golf oh, Discount no. of St. Louis. With the most experienced club fitters in town. Why shop anywhere else? <laughs> oh, there we go. This computer does not like double-clicking things. Okay. <laughs> My apologies on, on the misfire there, but Jeremy, I'm sorry. Randy Carricker, uh, he continued hitting the jack, and he got it right on there with the guess of Emmett Smith. It was, in fact, 11 total seasons of 1,000 yards yes. rushing. So Randy Carricker gets that one correctly. Let's go through those answers just in case you missed them. Vegas Golden Knights are, go- are probably going to go to their second-ever Stanley Cup final appearance in just their sixth season. Who do they face after their inaugural season and lose to in the finals? It was, in fact, the Washington Capitals. Which 1980s Cardinals just one of two post World War II Cardinals pitchers to throw double digit shutouts? Obviously, the other one's Bob Gibson, but John Tudor did it with 10 in 1985, exactly like Randy said. Happy birthday to Hall of Fame Tracy McGrady. It was, in fact, his last two years with the Orlando Magic before he left for the Houston Rockets when he led the league in scoring with 28 and 31 points, respectively. And, in fact, after the Kansas City Scouts played three seasons in Kansas City, they moved to Colorado, became the Rockies, and then to New Jersey for the Devils. So, all four correct for both. But then, of course, Emmitt Smith, a thousand. Uh, 11 1,000-yard rushing seasons in his 15-year NFL career. So I'm sorry, Jeremy. You did an incredible job today, but unfortunately, we will not be talking to you tomorrow. Uh, So close. Maybe next time. Great job, Jeremy. Thank you, Jeremy. Great to have you with us on 101 ESPN. By the way, Rob Ramage, our buddy, uh, former Blues player, I believe was the number one pick overall for the Colorado Rockies. Let me just double-check that. And the Blues wound up uh, giving up Pretty good haul to get Rammer and then traded him to Calgary in the Brett Hall trade. But he was, let's see, uh, drafted first round, first overall by the Colorado Rockies in the 1979 NHL entry draft. So now you know via radio. Nice. <laughs> That's the fight. Coming up next, we've got NFL news and notes. What a jerk Kerry's former teammate Ben Roethlisberger is. That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. I probably shouldn't say this, but I mean, who cares <laughs> at this point? I wouldn't say that I, I wanted... Kenny didn't necessarily fail, but like, you know, when someone comes to replace you and you're like, you know, I feel, I still feel like I had it. Like my hope he doesn't come like ball out. Cause then it's like Ben who, right? <laughs> right. But honestly, I think as this, as like, as you started playing and, and like, I, I, I found myself rooting more and more for you. So I, and I, I feel bad. And I know I, I came on this show and said that, um, um, I, I, I forget how I said it, but I like apologized to you for not knowing how good he was going to be. Yeah. Like, I just didn't know. I had no idea. I thought you'd be a quarterback that was good, that was going to come in. I, I think you're the future of this team. 
That is the podcast Footballin' with Ben Roethlisberger, and his guest was the guy that he was saying he didn't hope succeeded, Kenny Pickett, <laughs> the current Steelers quarterback. And Brooke, Kerry, I got to tell you, I can totally relate to Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah. In fact, I would probably be the exact same way. Yeah, I think that's kind of a natural reaction, especially when you had the career that he did. It's almost like, man, I hope this guy, I hope he succeeds, but I hope he's not better than me. And you know what? It's I don't want him to forget me. Yes, right? more so that than anything else. And I think that was a natural uh, response. And I'm I'm glad he said it. And I'm glad he, he feels differently now because ultimately Ben wants the Steelers to have success. He wants them to win championships. And in order to do that, Kenny Pickett is going to have to play well. We know that the National Football League is disingenuous and stupid and really doesn't care about their players or their fans. And they proved that again this week when they decided to flex Thursday night football games. Now, they can do it up to two times a year and they have to give 28 days notice. But if the NFL schedule comes out in April or May and you buy plane tickets in May so that you can fly to a city for a four-day weekend, and all of a sudden the game isn't on Thursday night anymore, it really kind of messes you up. I don't think the NFL, well, they advertise traveling to games, so they do know. They, they advertise with their tickets and with airfare. They, they encourage people to travel to games, and now they're going to have even more games that aren't going to be played on the date that they tell fans are going to be played. Yeah, it's uh, it's unfortunate because, like you said, most times you buy those tickets. We were talking about, you know, going to a game. If we were to potentially plan on going to a Pittsburgh Steelers game on a Sunday afternoon and that gets flexed to a Thursday, I mean, most people aren't able to change plane tickets, change work plans, find babysitters, do all of the things that are required to, to make that transition from that game to that day. And conversely, if, if it were to go the other way, it's just it's unfortunate um, that the NFL did, did, did this. It's all about the TV money. It's about the yes. marketing and what they can get from from the eyeballs that are going to watch that Thursday night game. I will say this, though, if they're going to. Flex Thursday night games. Amazon Prime needs to make the was it Amazon? Yeah, right? it is. Yep. Needs to make the audio better. It sounded like they were underwater at times. It yeah, didn't it was sound exactly. like a, a game. It didn't have the the natural atmosphere sound to it. It fix that. Amazon usually does pretty well with yeah. whatever they do. I hope they fix it. It got better as the season went on. Like the first two games were very noticeable, yeah. uh, but as the season went on, it sounded more like you would hear on Fox or ESPN or, or some of those other channels. Um, but it, it the NFL is going to do what the NFL needs to do for the NFL. By the way, as an aside, take it or leave it, you've had an Amazon t- delivery to your house in the last seven days. Take I got to take it. Yes. Take it. Yeah. Take it. Okay. Yes. <laughs> take Amazon it. is taken over. Don't you guys yeah, know that? Completely. Yeah. But also to your point, CD, that's exactly whenever I saw that too. That was my first thought is that they're caring more about the TV streaming, streaming revenue than actually the fan experience. Mm-hmm. Which, okay, fine. But also, if you look at the Titans, just for example, they just, you know, approved this $2 billion, you know, stadium, which is going to cost a lot for the taxpayers. You are also spending a lot of money and requiring, you know, fan bases, too, to spend a lot of money on these new stadiums that you deem are very important. So it should, the fan experience should matter for these games, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, but it's so much... It, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, there, there is so much more uh, importance placed on TV as opposed to the actual in-game experience. And I think some, some teams are trying to make their in-game experience better. But at the end of the day, it's sometimes it's more fun to watch the game 
on TV than it is live and in person. 100%. Dallas put a, a thousand, hundred thousand foot screen in the middle of the field. People don't even watch the game on the field. They just watch. They just look up at the screen. I think there might even be broadcasters <laughs> that broadcast off of that screen. <laughs> right. Yeah. They don't even watch the game on the field. By it's the way, amazing. yeah. In making this decision, Roger Goodell told Daniel Ka- Kaplan, our friend from the Athletic, he said, "Quote: There isn't anybody in any of our organizations that doesn't put our fans first. Oh, man. <laughs> I saw that you pointed that out. You Hill love that. that. That is so funny. Oh, he makes me laugh. He's a beauty. Yeah, he's a beauty. Uh, one of the things Dick Vermeil always complained about when he was a coach here, he said, we pay 53 players. Why do we only dress 45 on game day? Which makes sense to me. If you're paying 53, why not? play, dress all 53. At least now NFL teams are going to be able to dress and have a third quarterback ready to go. Yeah. Why they don't have, dress everybody is beyond me, but... That's always, that is an intriguing question. Right. You, you, everyone gets them. paid. Yeah. The, even the, the, the eight guys that are, are in street clothes or in, you know, Whatever team gear you have, they, they get paid the same amount that they, they would be paid if they yeah. were playing. Yeah, it just makes sense. Yeah. But at least now the third quarterback is going to dress and be available because quarterbacks get hurt now and then. Uh, yeah, they do. Thanks. Uh, San Francisco about that. Oh, yeah. Did you see Josh Johnson got signed? Baltimore, was it Baltimore that signed him? <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable. Good for him. This is That's Unreal. like his 10th team, isn't it? The guy's 10th <laughs> or 12th team. How many teams uh, is he on now? Including non-NFL football yeah. teams. I think that's team number 17. I think well, it's no, NFL teams. Really? Yeah. Just four. Yeah. NFL teams, NFL teams, teams is like 12. I think it's 12. And yeah. it's a, his third stop with the Ravens. Good for him. And he's older than Colin Kaepernick. Hey, guess what, Randy? If they're paying, I'm playing. Yeah, right. If they're going to keep paying you, yeah. you just keep playing. Oh, man, man yeah. Especially and a third-string quarterback. You don't have to do anything. No. Jordan Tayamu should have a job in the NFL. By the way, if you're ever yes. bored and you want to look at like the list of teams for Josh Johnson, scroll down and look at his final season at San Diego State. He threw like oh, 44 touchdowns and one interception. Yeah. It's one of the wildest stat lines I've ever seen. Jim Harbaugh was was the coach there. Yeah, it's and yeah, good for him that he's getting this opportunity to continue an NFL career. And I think there were 67 quarterbacks that either played or started games last year. It was year. a lot, it, it, and so. He can be around for a while if he wants, if he so desires. Apparently, he's a great teammate, good guy to have, and actually did not, well, under the circumstances, I didn't think that he performed horribly. And then the guy that uh, Tennessee played in the playoffs, the former Tennessee, Joshua Dobbs. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He did play well. Yeah. Yeah. And he, I think he might have signed with Cleveland. I don't know where he, but I've always thought Joshua, he was a former Steeler. Yep. I always thought that he would be an intriguing. He never got a real opportunity there. They, They had too many guys in front of him, and just for whatever reason, didn't get opportunity. But he did play well in the playoffs. Yeah, he did. And he's super smart. Yeah. Joshua? Yeah, seven. NFL team 14. 14 NFL, teams? Yeah, this is his 14th and a different NFL Good team. Good God. He 17th, must be very 17th well total <laughs> pro team, 14 NFL teams. It's intriguing. And he's had three different stints. He's had different stints with the Bengals, the Niners, and now the Ravens. Wow. Good for him. Good um, for him. Joshua Dobbs is literally a rocket scientist. He is. It's a huge thing in Tennessee. They, oh, they, oh, oh, believe me, the, ten, the University yeah. of Tennessee exploited that very much did so. And, and he's, but here's the thing. He, he, he enjoys off, it too. He, okay, this is Tennessee. So did he shoot off bottle rockets? He did is like a lot. They had him do like a lot of, but it's, it almost reminded me of, remember like for a while they had Paul DeYoung. I, I'm ignoring what you said. For a while. For a while. Uh, Randy. Uh, I'm a rocket scientist. <laughs> I cannot. I cannot. I 
will not stand for that. I will not stand for that. How did he say it? I'm a rocket scientist. <laughs> Okay, I'm sorry. He's very, he is very, very intelligent. It reminded me of remember when they really kind of hit with the Cardinals did a lot with Paul DeYoung in science. Mm -hmm. It it was very much like that. He's he's very, very smart, very intelligent, huge um, name in Tennessee for sure for the Titans as well. And by the way, I do like him when he would play against Mizzou. I always liked him as a quarterback. Those are your NFL news and notes. (laughs) Well, okay, he's playing against Mizzou. Big deal. It makes you seem a little bit better sometimes, and you really are. What? Am I, am I, Matthew, you're a Mizzou guy. Am I wrong? Not, why do you, not why big, do, you do that? They're no longer a Big 12. Why do you do that? that? <laughs> I, I, I'm intrigued about, up, about that. Why do you do that? What? I accept that Illinois, over the course of history... Yeah, and if I was an Illinois fan, I'd accept been, that too. But you don't? So we're, we're more rational than you are what, at Mizzou? We, hey, we have, more, hey, 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 we hey, have more division championships and conference t- game appearances than, than like half of the other teams in our conference. I, I'm rolling with it, baby. <sighs> In what conference? And then the SEC. Oh There's teams God. that have been there for thir- that have been there for 25 years. Yeah, and don't have the those teams are called Vanderbilt in t- Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> what are we talking about, man? Okay, so uh, you need to know this. Oh you make fun of Northwestern. Get out of here. Uh, uh, spe- Northwestern would take, uh, you know what, never mind. Uh, speaking of Mizzou, they still have openings for their golf tournament on June 5th over at Bogey Hills. I'm going to be there. I'm going to take off that day so that I can be the MC for the Mizzou Tiger Club of St. Louis Golf Tournament. And they still have a room for a couple of teams. If you would like to get involved, you can just go to MizzouTigerClubSTL.com, MizzouTigerClubSTL.com. STL.com. And if you just want to attend the dinner, again, I'm going to be the MC. Uh, you can do that for $100. Whole sponsors are $200. More information at Mizzou Tiger Club STL.com. Speakers will include Blair DeBoard, Associate AD, and uh, also a wrestling coach, a good guy, Brian Smith. We got to get Brian Smith on the show here. Yes. So he's a, he's a good guy. So to talk about yeah, Tiger style. Right. It's, it's uh, so B- Bogey Hills, June 5th, Mizzou Tiger Club, STL.com, if you want to play. The Rush Hour Reset's coming your way next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time to recap the biggest sports stories of the day on the Opening Drive with a Rush Hour Reset. Brought to you by Clubhouse Turf, your exclusive partner of Celebrity Greens. We're redefining private golf. No, and there's one, one for 21. That's not real. He'll probably go four for five tonight with a couple of dingers. High fly ball hit deep toward left field. Back goes Fraley to the wall. Looks up and it's gone. Paul Goldschmidt with a mammoth home run. And the Cardinals strike first with one out in the opening inning. As this ball's hammered deep toward right. Myers going back. He's going to run out of room. That one's gone. An opposite field home run. 903 in St. Louis, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler, Brooke Grimsley, Kerry Davis, Randy Kerker. You remember the scene in My Cousin Vinny where Jerry Callow <laughs> is walking around after what? Yeah, I got no more, no, no more use for this guy who's walking around with his arms out. That's me this morning after Paul Goldschmidt hit those two home runs. Thanks, buddy. Good for you. <laughs> that, was, that was a huge moment because he was like, what was he, one for 21 before yeah. that? Uh-huh. And the last time he homered was May 7th. So that was prediction was pretty. Pretty good for you. Pretty spot on. That was right on. 
Cardinals win by a score of 8-5 over the Red Legs last night, and they even the series. Adam Wainwright was the winning pitcher. He goes five and two-thirds. He allows five runs on eight hits. We're going to talk to Adam at the bottom of the hour about how much he hates the so-so American ballpark. He does not like it. It's just too small? Yeah, and for whatever reason, he gets hit there. It's it's been called the Great American Small Park too. Is it is I, it mental or is it just? He says it's not, but I kind of think it is. <laughs> like you just go in yeah. knowing that it's not going to go well yeah. here, and you play there so much over your career. It's like yeah, I'm I'm not doing well here. By the way, and I know Cardinal fans, they love to praise John Mosellock because he's done such a magnificent job over the years. So uh, I know that we'll get a lot of texts saying, yeah, you're exactly right, Randy. Uh, this is just another of the great moves that Mo has made. Chris Stratton has pitched very well for the Cardinals, and they traded for him last year at the deadline. They got him in the Quintana trade. They re-signed him, and Chris Stratton has been a revelation out of the bullpen for the Cardinals. He's been a really important part of the success that they've had over the last two or three weeks. Well, and I saw that somebody texted in earlier, like, why was he not out there for as long? And hopefully I would assume that he would be available today, mm-hmm. especially I Giovanni Gallegos and Ryan Helsley with those back-to-backs and that actually working out. I know it got hairy there at the end for Ryan Helsley in the ninth, but I would assume that you're not going to see them today. That would be my assumption, too. Certainly, Helsley, who threw 27 pitches. Yeah. Guy goes only through 10 last night, but like you said, Brooke, they are reticent to pitch a guy three consecutive days like they would do with Bruce Suter back in the day, who went to the Hall of Fame. So we need <laughs> we need Steven Matz to give us seven tonight. He's going to give you six, CD. He'll go at least six. Go and, into the seventh. Six and, six and yep, a third. Yep, and he's going to allow three or fewer earned runs. He is going to deliver a quality start. Okay. Boom. You Were just you? said that. Mm-hmm. Did you write that down? Did you did you save that? Did you uh, put it in a the, folder? Yeah, put it in a folder, Rock. Save that, and we'll see what it looks like tomorrow. If you do two days in a row, we're going on to the east side, and uh, we're going to play some wagers. Yeah, we got to buy some lottery tickets. We're, we're going to take you around town, <laughs> okay, Randy, because we need to make some extra money. Okay. okay. Thank you. Okay. Okay. No, Randy, the other part comes after you cash the bets. Okay. Yes. After we win, then we can go to the other part of the east side. You and I. <laughs> uh, that, that can be a boy's trip on that one. I'm, I'm good. I'm good on that side. I wanted to ask you guys, were you guys surprised that Wayno was pulled after 77 pitches? He didn't look happy about exiting no. the game at that point. I, 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 It made sense, but I, it was very interesting to see how frustrated he was, which he's a competitor. Of course, he is going to be, but he even looked surprised he was getting pulled after 77 pitches. I think especially when you're, you've been around as long as he has, I think that you want to have the opportunity to work your way out of the mess that you create. And he was not given that opportunity, and I think that's why he's he, he was that way. He just... He felt like he... Has and I'm sure he'll say this. He's earned the right to be able to work his way out of a jam, mm. especially at 77 pitches. Yes, yes. But it looked like he was frustrated. Goes into dugout. Chris Stratton was able to do what he was um, able to do last night, and they had some hugs in there in the dugout. Did you guys see that? That yeah, was a the very starting pitchers. That it was, was a, a very Miles, sweet Miles moment. Yeah. yeah. I, go ahead. After, after last night, because you know, credit to Helsing Gallegos going going again. Um, what do you do if it's a one-run game in the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning tonight? Jordan Hicks. Yep, Hicksy is back. Jordan Hicks. Cabrera. Hennessy Cabrera. That's what you do. Randy, okay. I, I would say when it comes to Wayne Wright and him being taken out, 
it, it, it seems to be kind of the theme of the Cardinals pitching. They're right there to finish an inning, but then they walk a batter. And mm-hmm. it's almost like the walk is the the sign for the for the coaches, for the manager to say, okay, that's it. He gave up a single, then he gave up the double, and then he walked Myers. And you're looking at it and you're saying, yeah, we can't, we can't continue to have you out there because right. you are – you're struggling to find the zone when you have found it. They're hitting the ball. They're hitting the ball hard. And now you've walked the guy to load the bases. We got to get out of this inning. So I think and, – and when you look at every one of the pitchers, when they're getting pulled, it's generally in that moment they walk the batter. I know it happened to Jordan Montgomery. We talked about Steven Matz in his last start um, walking the guy. And, and so you're – I just feel like that's the telltale well, sign that they're going to get pulled. And they might be looking, I'm sure they're looking at Adam's history at that ballpark too. Yes. But I'm sure that he feels like, I don't care what ballpark I'm in, because that's what he always says. I'm going to get the next guy out. So it's it's a matter of how much trust do you have under the circumstances in the guy. Well, and he also said, well, he wanted to rename it the devil's lair Mm -hmm. but he also said i won't go back to my hotel room in a deep depression like i usually do after a cincinnati start so it felt like it was probably a huge relief for him he had five of the hits off of wainwright went for extra bases so you kind of understand going back to why he was pulled after the 77 pitches too and look if it didn't work out with giovanni gallegos and ryan helsley we'd probably be having a different discussion today too about once again your starters not able to go deeper and deeper into games but luckily it worked out in their favor having Helsley and Giovanni Gallegos going back to back and tonight Stephen Matz will go and by the way it's another 540 game Stephen Matz going against Blake Lively <laughs> not, I don't, I don't, not, think, I don't no, think that that's I, no, who that is oh, oh it's, it's, <laughs> it's Ben Lively ben. okay oh. Ben Lively yeah. okay I thought something interesting was happening at the no, ballpark I don't, I, don't, I, don't think that, I don't think that that's who's gonna pitch today okay <laughs> all due respect to Blake probably not the park you want to make your debut in uh, no yeah. Mm. One of my favorite actresses, by the way. Really? Yeah, she's great. Yeah, she had, she's had some good movies. Yeah, all of her movies are great, Brooke. Why is it? Why are you making that face, Rocky? Oh, here comes Eeyore. Uh, oh, we got, no, we got another Eeyore. Hey. I'm just having trouble remembering what movie she was in. I'm like off the top of my head, I'm like, I'm just. I was just drawing a blank. Um, and I was really one I'm of the greatest really movies ever, Green uh, Lantern. Gonna, yeah, I was no, say, I'm kidding. I'm joking. That's terrible. Doesn't matter what the name of the movie is, Rock. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why you watch watch Welcome to Wrexham. Okay. Now I figured out why you watched a soccer documentary. I've been wondering why Randy watched that. Now I figured it out. Yeah. A uh, couple of other notes for you. <laughs> Last night in the NBA, the uh, Boston Celtics stayed alive. They hammered the Miami Heat 116-99. to Heat still one win away from winning that series. They're going to win it. Nobody has ever won a series that they trailed 3 nothing in NBA history. 149-0 and 0 is the record for teams that have 3 nothing leads in a series. And Vegas got a huge boost from Stars captain Jamie Benn just going bananas in the first five minutes of the game. He gets thrown out, and Vegas rolls 4 nothing. They lead that series three games to nil. And it looks like it's going to be Vegas and Florida. It's going to be Vegas and South Beach for the NHL's championship. Not a bad job. Not a bad gig. No, if you're, good if you're not playing. Yeah, Panger can have a good time. Enjoy. Even if you are playing. <laughs> yeah. uh, if you're playing, you should probably focus on winning the championship. And then, oh, yeah. Randy. Whatever city you're in. <laughs> Randy, listen to me. Yeah. <laughs> After the championship is won, <laughs> the amount of fun, it, it's it's limitless. Boston wasn't that fun to celebrate in, if I'm being honest. 
especially when they lost. They wouldn't let if you're wearing blue. If you're wearing blue, you weren't allowed anywhere in Boston. Really, that was not that fun. And the Phoenix Suns have four finalists to replace their deposed coach Monty Williams, former Toronto coach Nick Nurse, Doc Rivers is one of uh, the coaches, also Kevin Young, who is an associate head coach with the Suns under Monty Williams, Sacramento Kings associate head coach Jordy Fernandez also on that list. Anybody stand out to you among that group? Well, I don't know much about uh, the the assistants for the Suns and the the Kings. I don't know if you want to go. I mean, if you're if you're the Suns, maybe you're looking to go in a completely different direction than what Monty had on on his staff. I, Mike Brown has done a great job in Sacramento, so maybe that young person is is qualified. I don't know how you go with Doc Rivers based on him just Agreed. losing his job in in Philadelphia. Nick Nurse feels like the the answer there, but I get so tired with coaches being recycled. I mm-hmm. think it's one of the it, it's really frustrating for younger coaches that are trying to make their way into the ranks where you often have the same people getting jobs over and over yeah. and over again. They get fired, they move along, and they, they find another job. So, you know, with that being said, maybe they go in the route of, of some of those younger guys that, that we learn who they are along the way. And by the way, Frank Vogel, another recycled coach, is on that list as the fifth. It's NFL, NBA, it's it's the same names. Yeah. At least, over though, and over at again. least – Three of these guys, the three recycled guys, have all won championships. Yeah. Now, it's been a while, been a minute for Doc. But yes. Nurse has won, Vogel has won. Granted, it was in the COVID year, but at least they've won championships. And sometimes you can't say that for recycled coaches. I agree. That's Kerry, that's Brooke, I'm Randy, and that is today's Rush Hour Reset. Coming up, rock and roll. We'll have Adam Wainwright at the bottom of the hour here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock, let's rock today When we go into this See, I have I have recruited Brooke to be on my side now. Uh-huh. She doesn't know yeah. she's she's we we are we are uh, like minded yeah, in, in <laughs> how we process things, wins, losses, championships, non championships, <laughs> things of that nature. And I I, I I I mean no, we I know we got to get to rock and roll, but I want to just bring this up. Brooke have have has Tennessee played in any championship in any form? Sports, basketball, football in your lifetime? Yes. Yes. Okay. 1998 I, I, T. Martin. T. Martin. Uh, yes. So 2004, I was able to come here, watch the uh, Illini play the North Carolina Tar Heels. We took a tough loss in the championship game. Whew, it was tough. We were in the championship game. We weren't almost there. We were there, actually there. Rock, how about you? Mizzou? Uh, they haven't played any in my lifetime. Oh, okay. What about wrestling? Yeah, they've done pretty good there. Yeah, well, about basketball, watched a couple of those matches, no, but not in the SEC, right? There. Mm-hmm. No, no, unfortunately, not in the SEC. Two games away, two games away. Well, that, no, only that's only technically only one. I mean, technically, oh in the my SEC. lord. <laughs> I'm saying technically, I do declare. Carrie, technically, it is twice in the SEC, but they didn't have a chance to win one of those title games. They weren't going to beat Bama in, in, in that SEC title game. They weren't going to beat. They have two in my lifetime against Oklahoma and against Auburn. They win those games. They are undoubtedly playing in a national title game. Rock, let me tell you something. If we beat Michigan in Michigan, we're playing in the national championship game too. You know what we yeah. didn't do? We didn't, didn't beat Michigan it. at Michigan. We lost. Tom Brady and them <laughs> did their job. 
They ran a reverse pass, and that was the first wasn't touchdown actually, that they scored. Brady wasn't uh, yes. What's his name? It was Tom Brady. It was two thousand and one. Blanking on the other Michigan John Nabar, Jim 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 the quarterback, whatever his name is. <laughs> Drew no, Henson. Drew Henson. Jim Henson. The character. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. thinking Jim Henson. <laughs> <It's> Muppets. <laughs> hey, Jim Henson, Drew Henson, they all the same. Mm-hmm. R.I.P. Jim Henson. By yeah. the way. I just wanted to know. I mean, we get I a lot of texts from the Mizzou fans and the fan bases. I think they're a little bit um, delusional. I think that would be the best way to, to put it. I would be intrigued to know how many how many championships does Mizzou have? Tons. In, in, in football or basketball? Oh, oh. Uh, I don't believe they have any. Oh, okay, just wonder. Rock and roll, please. Carrie's overarching point here was fans are ridiculous. No. Yeah, they they don't know what they're delusional. talking about. They're delusional half the time. And I will say this, especially but, Mizzou fans. And it shouldn't be this case, but the Illinois and Mizzou athletic programs are basically mirror images of each other, essentially. And we accept yeah, that. Yeah. That's the difference. This person from the 573. When was the last time Illinois was ranked number one in football? When was the last time Mizzou was 573? You're in yeah. Columbia or or the surrounding areas. 2007. <laughs> Long time. Number one? 2007. Yeah. In football? Yes. 2007, they, were, yeah. they were ranked number one. Yeah. yeah. How long? 2000, uh, it was two weeks. weeks. Ah, good for them. Weeks, yeah. yeah. Did they win that. a national championship that year? They did not. They lost to Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship game at the Alamo Dome. I was there. It was sad. If you're did they make a, a, a power? What's the uh, New Year's Day bowl game? Uh, they played in the Cotton Bowl that year. You know where Illinois played in 2007? What's that? The Rose Bowl. Despite they wow. should have played in the uh, they should have played in the um, the BCS Orange. bowl, but they gave it to freaking Kansas, Good. who Orange. lost to Mizzou. Did, did Jim Henson die in 1990? Yeah, he died a long time ago. Jim died a long time ago because it, ways it, yeah, away. He died a long time ago. It was tragic because he was very. I think he was only in, in like late 50s. Really? Yeah, he died very young for a guy who was as as big of a heavy hitter as he was. <laughs> that was intriguing, Randy. You said wrestling. Oh, yeah, Jayden, they, they did some wrestling. Oh, yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah. Mizzou does they, yeah, wrestling. When I was there, they were doing Yeah, he died in uh, 1990. But not in the SEC, just for clarification purposes. Yep. Uh, R.I.P. Jim Henson. The number of the day. Yes. Find oh, yeah. the pen and pen. The number of the day is 10. ten. All right. All right, Jim. Hansen. Any more rock and roll stuff? I just had one quick thing. <laughs> um, yes, uh, Greg, got derailed. Greg Wyshynski, uh, uh Puck Daddy posted his story on ESPN talking about last night's Stars and uh, VGK game, and he just kind of highlighted the post-game comments from the Stars and just not really taking the amount of accountability you would after what happened with Jamie Benn, pretty much um, Joe Pavelski, Tyler Sagan, all pretty much saying, we don't, we're not going to criticize him. He's our captain. He's led us the entire year. We have all the respect for him in the world. And here was Peter DeBoer, specifically the head coach of the Stars, last night after the game. Made a mistake. Feels really badly about it. I don't think anyone in the building feels worse than he does about it. Uh, I'm not going to pile on him. He's been a leader here, you know, for his entire career and uh, leads by example every day on and off the ice. Made a mistake. Fortunately, Mark Stone's okay. We will live with the consequences, whatever they are. We live them tonight and we'll live with them going forward if, if there's any other supplemental discipline. But um, you know, it's uh, it's a reactionary sport. It's a heat of the moment sport. There's a there's a lot of stuff 
going on there uh, on the ice. So, um, you know, I'm not I'm not judging jury and I'm not going to play that tonight. Those are his teammates and that's his head coach. I understand that. But you didn't just make a mistake. You made a decision and you, you chose to take another person's health and, and, and throw it out throw it out the window and, and make a dirty play in the, in the middle of the game. And this isn't Jamie Ben's first rodeo. No. He knows better. And his team lost him for the last 58 minutes of the game. Now, as as Peter DeBoer said, he's led this franchise for a long time. To what? Mm. You know, it's uh, Jamie Ben. He's always been a jerk, and he proved it again last night. And he cost his own team. He, yeah, it a, led to a goal. It yeah, literally yep. directly led to a yeah. goal for the Golden Knights. In, in, in the heat of the moment, I said sometimes. It, it, there is a, a fine line. I'm sure he was trying to be physical, let his team know we're not going to get bullied today. We're going to take care of our business. And he just crossed over the line and went too far. You have to be able to control um, you know, yourself in those moments and be able to make sure you can get to the line but not go over that line. And back in my day, you could do that kind of thing. Playoff game, you start a playoff game and you're whacking somebody. You're trying yeah. to hurt somebody and get them knocked out. 2023, you can't do that anymore. Jamie Ben, you're not playing in 1993. You're playing in 2023. We call it controlled aggression. Yeah, you can be aggressive yeah. as, as all get out, but I you think, gotta you gotta control yeah. it to There's a degree. Playoff game here against the Hawks one time. Texters will remember. Uh, it was Shanny and it might have been Chaser, who first minute of a game against a playoff game against the Blackhawks, they just ran Chris Chelios into the corner boards. It was beautiful Good for them. It was yes. yeah, it was old time hockey. And it was so memorable, and I think we wound up losing the game anyway, we being the Blues. But it was fun that you could, right off the bat, go and try to get the other team's best player. By the way, uh, hockey should be. Here's here's Joe Pavelski's postgame comments, and these shouldn't really surprise anybody. Uh, he was asked if he was disappointed in Ben. He said, no. You guys ask if I'm disappointed in the guy I have so much respect for, who battles so hard. I have no problems with Ben. We have to be better from there. Yeah, well. Just, just seems yeah. like a Joe Pavelski kind of comment. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice. You're out of the playoffs. You're done. He has a hearing today, by the way. Jamie yeah. Ben does. Yeah. So uh, hopefully, do they include firing squad? <laughs> no, <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think that's something that happens. That's a, no, I'm not just I don't no think pads, but people shooting a bunch of pucks at him. Oh, 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 oh Randy, that, kinda, that was a that's, that was an aggressive that's, visual. It's awful. Sounds painful. It's Jamie Ben, though. Oh, and here, so. here's here's <laughs> and here's why here's why your captain acting that way matters because the Dallas Stars actually just released a statement because there were some other things going on off the ice uh, off the ice last night on behalf of the Dallas Stars organization. I would like to apologize to the Vegas Golden Knights and the National Hockey League for the actions of a few of our spectators at last night's games. Their actions <laughs> were unacceptable and put the safety of our players and fans at risk. We take pride in providing the best experience for everyone who enters our arena. The actions of these individuals certainly do not reflect our great city, organization, and loyal fan base. True. That is from Brad Alberts, the Dallas Stars president and CEO. Yeah. A banner day for the Dallas Stars franchise. Mm. They killed our president. Come on. <laughs> Does that really not reflect you? Come on. <laughs> I don't think that don't... I don't think that's the same. I didn't, I didn't know I could use that against the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> yeah, I've had, yeah, yeah, had that fed on the cap the entire time? Yep. Oh. It's, been, it's there on the shelf to pull, I should be have pulled down and use whatever. Should I have called it a bolt in the chamber? <laughs> That is so mean. That's yeah, so right. bad. But it's not yeah, too soon. Not too soon. We got six years. We're coming with a too soon on Lou Gehrig joke yesterday. Wayno is next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. 
you know, somebody's going to have to take take this thing over. And it's got to be more than Flaherty. It's got to be more than Michaelis. It's got to be somebody between Montgomery, Libertor, Matt, Wainwright. One of those guys has got to start doing something more than getting out of the fourth inning. Uh, so if you can find one of those four to go along with the other two, I think you got a shot. I really do. Uh, along with this, you can't overwork this bullpen. When some of these guys come out and, and, and Ali's got to use four guys a night, that means there's four guys he can't use tomorrow in most cases. So you've got to make sure that your, your starters at least give your bullpen a chance or have one of your guys in the bullpen eat up some innings on more than one night a week. That's Mike Claiborne yesterday joining us here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. We're actually into the balloon party now. Tim McKernan and Ajax are normally here, but we're here instead. Tim's son has a graduation. Yeah, it's a, graduation. it's a preschool graduation. Congratulations. That's fantastic. 10.06, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. So Mike mentioned among the guys that have to provide more innings, he started with Montgomery Libertor, ended with Wayno and Mats. I think Adam is going to regularly give you, he's going to get you into the sixth inning. I don't know at this stage of his career if Adam Wainwright is a guy that is regularly going to give you seven. I would say probably no more than yes. And that is what it is. You signed him to be a back of the rotation guy. Michaelis, I agree. Flaherty, I agree, should get you into the seventh on a regular basis. Hopefully get you seven into the eighth. Jordan that, Montgomery shit too is that's shit too. the guy. Shit also, yeah. I agree with you, and I have not given up on Jordan yeah. Montgomery. We don't know about Libertor, but Libertor did throw ninety-five pitches in five innings, right, in his debut this year, his major league debut, and was throwing a lot of pitches at the minor league level. Mm-hmm. wasn't efficient. Jordan Montgomery has done it for the Cardinals yeah. for a couple of months last year. So I agree with you. If there is a third guy that's here in the organization now, I think Jordan Montgomery is the guy. That being said, if by the deadline, a seven-inning pitcher becomes available, then what you do is go out and do what it takes to get that guy. You said something, I think it was yesterday, that maybe this is the Jordan Montgomery that the New York Yankees saw or they mm-hmm. thought was going to be on the horizon. That the, the one that we got last year may have not been what he actually is, and, and that is a little bit scary. because I, I think, Kerry, if the Yankees had to do that all over again— they like Harrison Bader. I think they'd rather have Jordan Montgomery mm. because remember they traded him because they had acquired Frankie Montas mm-hmm. from Oakland. Yep. Montas isn't pitched this year. Severino just in the last couple of days pitched for the first time this year. They still haven't had Rodon yeah. this year. And Montgomery is a nice depth piece on a great team, right. and he's a nice number three pitcher, which he would be here on a good team, not a great team. Well, and even if you look at over his career stats over the years, he's been pretty consistent. And he's as given well, innings, too. right? Yes, yes. Especially his ERA has been pretty consistent over the years. Um, other than 2019, it was a little bit high. But even then, if you compare it to when I just looked at Steve and Matt's careers numbers, now those have been very up and down. He's a roller coaster ride. Yeah. So the question becomes, for example, Cleveland, even when they're in hunts, they, tra- they traded Trevor Bauer a few years ago and they were in first place in their division. If a guy's coming up on free agency or they can get a deal, Francisco Lindor, another one, and they got two really nice 
regular players out of Francisco Lindor. They know when they aren't going to be able to keep people like Shane Bieber. Mm-hmm. If if I'm the Cardinals, I'm all in on a guy like Shane Bieber. Well, and you have this whole log jam situation still kind of continuing with the outfield as well. Some pieces are going to have to be moved there, mm-hmm. right? Especially with Jordan Walker. I mean, he he's going to be here at some point this season. And it, but it feels like the outfield still hasn't been figured out yet. So there needs to be some pieces moved around there. And if there is something you can work out, it seems like it's been the Cardinals' MO the past few seasons of acquiring some starting pitching help at the trade deadline. Yeah. Uh, and that outfield is probably one of those guys is going to be on the move. I don't know who because they haven't been healthy. You, Tyler O'Neill would have obviously been the, the choice had he continued to play at the rate he had been. But when you get injured and then that's kind of the, the thought process on you, what are you going to get back if you decided to trade Tyler O'Neill right now? You're not going to get a starting pitcher, I don't no. think. You, you You're probably a bullpen piece. So, and, but that doesn't. that's not what, what's no. needed at this moment. You, you're going to need... Matthew Libertor, if they decide to give him more opportunities to start, to be that yep. that three, four, five guy, wherever he falls in that in that lineup, if Matts is unable to do it, then he's your bullpen guy. But you have to trust that he's going to get it done in the bullpen as well. Tell me this, guys: How much confidence do you have in the Cardinals pitching? coaching now to be able to resurrect guys. The reason I ask that is that one of the teams that is going to move pitching that has names, if not necessarily production, is the White Sox. Mm -hmm. They aren't moving Dylan Cease, but Giolito, probably going to get moved. Lance Lynn, probably going to get moved. Mike Clevenger, probably going to get moved. So that's a team that you can look at and say, you know what, there are arms there. And by the way, this year, Giolito has uh, made 10 starts. He's got six quality starts. Uh, Lance Lynn has 10 starts, but only three quality starts. Clevenger has nine starts and three quality starts. But would you feel comfortable in the Cardinals being able to, in in Dusty Blake and, and the Cardinals staff, being able to turn those guys around like Mike Maddox used to be able to do with people like, Jay Happ and, and John Lester and last year Quintana and Montgomery. Would you have confidence in the Cardinals right now to be able to turn guys around? That's that's very interesting because I don't know if we have seen enough of their kind of coaching and we don't know what goes on exactly behind the scenes when it comes to preparation with the pitchers and stuff like that. I know that early on at the beginning of the season they spoke very highly of them. Of I guess um, Dusty's really big when it comes to like videoing and also some more advanced kind of technological things mm-hmm. with pitchers. Um, I I don't know. That's tough. That's, and I don't that's think the White Sox say. are that good at that, by the way. No. So that might be a, a spot where. If you're comfortable with the ability of your people to do to turn pitchers around like Dave Duncan used to do all mm-hmm. the time, then those are deals that you make. But it all comes down to how much confidence you have in your, your staff's ability to get the most out of those guys. Yeah. I mean, that was kind of the benefit of having Maddox here, mm-hmm. right? Because right. of, I mean, his ability and, you know, the obvious years that he's had working with so many different pitchers, it does kind of concern you a little bit. I think that that's a very valid concern with the coaching staff. That's Brooke, that's Carrie, I'm Randy, and this is the Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. (laughs) Yeah, it it is right now. Uh, Ken Rosenthal with some interesting notes the last couple of days at The Athletic. That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. (laughs) 
The Cardinals were on Big Fox the other night against the Dodgers. Ken Rosenthal made a lot of comments, and he's written a lot about the Cardinals. And one of the things that he mentioned, despite the fact that he believes the Cardinals will win the division, the National League Central, by 10 games, he did mention the early season issues that Oliver Oliver Marmol has dealt with, including the Tyler O'Neill kerfuffle. And is it... That's a hullabaloo now. Hullabaloo. Yeah, yeah. Contreras is a kerfuffle. Okay, and then O'Neal the... is a is a hullabaloo. Okay, so the, the, the O'Neal hullabaloo and the Contreras kerfuffle. So uh, those are issues that here in St. Louis you don't deal with much. In New York, when Billy Martin was the manager, it was a daily occurrence. But in St. Louis, the Cardinals have been generally pretty immune from controversy, and controversy came about because of some of the things that Ali Marmol said. And the key is, and the players are insistent, that it didn't cause a problem in the clubhouse. And that, to me, is the key, Kerry, is if it's causing a problem with the players in the clubhouse, multiple players, then you've got an issue. If it's only one player and the player isn't even playing... Number 27, it's not that big of a deal. I didn't think the Tyler O'Neill thing was an issue. I thought it was a coach expecting a player to do his job and that player getting frustrated for being called out. That's life. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're a player and you're not performing to the level of the expectations of your coaches and your teammates, then that's on you. That's not not an us problem. That's a you problem. But I I agree with that. But... O'Neill made it a point to go back and time his time, what it took for him, from him to get from home or from second to home. So the fact that he had, he wanted to put a time on his hustle told me that it was something that affected him. Oh, it affected him, but yeah. it didn't. It, like I said, it, it, that's, a, that's a you problem, not a us yeah, problem. Right. The Wilson Contreras issue, I think, was a bigger issue that they tried to make. Uh, a less of an issue than it was. You signed him to do a certain thing, and and then you're saying he's not going to do that. To me, that was a bigger issue, and that that is something you don't see from the Cardinals, you know, organization. You normally it's smooth selling. Guys are taking care of their business. You're winning games, but you couple that with Wilson Contreras, and you're losing games in the manner in which they were. That became a bigger issue than I'm sure that they wanted it to be. Manage. Go ahead, Brooke. Oh, I was just going to say it was just a lot at once too, mm-hmm. because you had. You had the Tyler O'Neill situation with Ali Marmal. And I look, I get calling out players. I, I totally get that. It felt like there was a little bit more of like a personal touch to it. Sometimes, and we've discussed this, Ali is very transparent. I think more than a lot of us media members have seen in recent years with managers, there's good and bad with that comes with that in the way of you're getting a lot of comments and a lot of background in it. But then you also have the Jordan Walker situation where you say that he's going to be here. And that wasn't just all I am saying in general, that message was very confusing of he's going to be here. And then he gets sent down, even though you're going to say that you're going to stick through him with adversity. And then you have the Zach Thompson situation. And you mentioned Zach Thompson's numbers earlier. It's not going well for him as they're trying to stretch him back out as a starter. Your team is not good. I don't think so. I really don't think so. So then you have that situation, too. And then the Wilson Contreras thing, I know that they've tried to downplay it as, you know, media has made it a big spectacle of it. And rightfully so, because you haven't really seen anything like that Mm -hmm. before where you sign a catcher for that much. And then you say he's not going to be a catcher and that he's going to be your designated hitter. And then then he's back to being a catcher again. I don't think people are going to just forget about that. So it was a lot. It was so much early on where it was very unusual, right. I felt like, for the Cardinals. But I do think winning solves everything it in does. this recent stretch. Eases some of the pressure that might have been, at least from us, on Ali Marmol. Now what's going to happen? Because over the course of 162 games in six months, the best teams are going to win. And the best team clearly in this division is the Cardinals. So they're if they're healthy, going to wind up in the playoffs. 
Ollie or whoever is managing this team makes their money and makes their way and makes their bones come playoff time. Why was Tony La Russa considered one of the greatest of all time? Yes, he's got the second most wins in history. But he also has three world championships and managed in three more World Series. That's why Tony was great. Why is Whitey Herzog in the Hall of Fame? Because he took the Cardinals to three different World Series. Why is Joe Torre in the Hall of Fame? Because of what he did in the postseason. Uh, Lou Pinella's is not in the Hall of Fame. He won 111 games, mm-hmm. 114 games, but he lost in the playoffs. Joe didn't lose in the playoffs right. in, in his first few runs. Now, he, he did lose a few, but he made his bows. People know Joe Torre as a world championship manager. What Ollie's going to have to do is not just win divisions, but... Whoever is in charge of the script to make Ali look good is going to have to succeed come postseason time. Yeah. And also, I just wanted to point this out. When we're talking about transparency with managers, did you guys see the comment that David Ross made about the division? Did you guys see no, that comment? See that. He said uh, about the Cubs being only four and a half out of the NL Central League despite a 20 and 26 record. Thank goodness for the blank play of everyone in the division, I guess. It starts with an S. Mm-hmm. What he said. Yeah. yeah. He's not lying. No, he's right. It's he's been, not. It's know, been we, we can terrible. see it. We can. Uh, and I think that's why the front office felt so comfortable and why they kept preaching patience because mm-hmm. you see you yeah. see the play of of the division right now. Yeah, and they, the Cubs, they might present the biggest challenge for the Cardinals with where Milwaukee is now, with Lauer having a shoulder injury, Woodruff having a shoulder injury, uh Miley having they've got three starting pitchers, sixty percent of their rotation. Yeah have shoulder injuries. Mm-hmm. How, how long have we dealt with Jack Flaherty having shoulder issues, it's right? Long. And shoulder injuries are really dicey. And I don't see, for example, we're talking about the Cardinals going out and looking at starting pitching. I don't see the Brewers doing that, not after they traded Hader last year. I don't see them adding to the group. I think they'll probably rely on the people that they have. And that's why I think the Cardinals are in really good shape. And yeah, Ali's going to have to do it during the division. Ken Rosenthal's right, this, because this is so uncardinal like. The biggest controversy that Mike Matheny ever had to deal with in terms of the media was uh, Yadier Molina going on Instagram to tell him that he was in great shape <laughs> and was prepared to win world championships. Tony, Tony invited, he loved to, to have the pot stirred, so it was a different animal there. And Mike Schilt. Mike Schilt, did he ever have any real controversy except for what Randy Rosa put Rosarena put up on video from the playoffs? Philosophy, philo- philosophical difference. When it was, was over, a- yeah. <laughs> when it was over, we knew that there was some controversy there. So I, I, I'm, I don't know what Ali is. And by the way, I, I really honestly wish I could tell you who pulls the strings for the Cardinals during a game. But there is, there is a two o'clock meeting when they're here. And there is absolutely a ton of input from the analytics people. How far and how deep that goes, I don't know. I can't tell you. But I can tell you for certain that Whitey Herzog and Tony Larusa had much more input into their destiny and their fate than Mike Matheny has, than Mike Schilt did, or that Ali Marmal does. There's much more input now. And... I think we do reach points in games. Well, there's clear points in games where it has been explained to me that the script calls for certain things to happen and the script is what is gone by rather than the gut. Yeah, I think that's unfortunate, though. Yeah. Because there's things that come up in games that you just have no control over. You don't know 
what's going to take place. It's a game. It's live. It's it's actually happening in the moment mm-hmm. and things change. So when you come in with an idea that we're going to go this way, the moment this happens, that could never happen. You know, that thing that you're waiting on could never happen. So I think you just got to have a feel for the game. I understand the analytics part of it and using that to assist you. But when you use that as your your total reasoning for things, I think that's that's strange. Well, and also advocating and knowing what kind of like having that touch too of knowing what players and situations need in certain moments too. kind of like going back to what Adam Wainwright said, kind of that trust that you build of knowing how to handle those certain situations. I think that that is a big part of it as well, too. And Waino obviously is a huge help to Ali Marmol. Having that sort of leadership, being able to point out to his team, hey, relax. Okay, this is one month. Here's what's happened in in bad months for good teams that we've had. It's one thing for a manager to come in and say, don't worry about it, and the team to be all tense. But it's one thing, another thing altogether, for a guy that everybody on the team likes and respects to walk in with visual aids and say, hey, you know what? This might feel like the end of the world, but it's really not as bad as people are making it out to be. Here's what's happened before. And the players really took that to heart, clearly. Here's a question from the 636. Can you give an example of teams that use more of the eye test than the analytics? Absolutely. Bruce Bochy is now the manager of the Texas Rangers. And they are kind of a non-analytics team right now. They're in first place in their division. They are a, He is a guy that trusts his gut. He knows the capability of his players. He knows when a starter. He just has... He, he was a former catcher. So he has an eye for when a starter is losing it. And he has a really strong knowledge and a really strong belief in what reliever is going to fit best in a particular situation. So Bochi is one. Buck Showalter is another with New York. And you're seeing it, and he's got veteran pitchers. Remember when uh, Max Scherzer said that one of the things that bothered him about being with the Dodgers was uh, they wouldn't let him throw enough pitches Mm -hmm. because he's different. He's an old-school guy. So is Verlander. So Showalter has the perfect cast of characters to manage. And then the other one is the world champion guy, Dusty Baker, who allows young pitchers to go seven innings. He allows guys to go a third time through a lineup and he chooses who is going to come out (laughs) of the bullpen rather than somebody, some nameless, faceless person in the front office. I love older veteran coaches, coaches that just... Say the hell with that. I, I, what are you going to do? Fire me? Yeah, I, right. Just, I'm going to do this. I'll I'll listen. I'll, I'll pay attention. But in that moment, I'm going to trust and believe trust you know, all of my experience on the field managing and all of these things that I've done for, for many years, many decades right. in this game. And it's not like they don't pay attention to the numbers because the numbers are great tools. They're valuable. But... They use the tools rather than be guided by the analytics. And there's a difference. You can use the tools to your advantage, but sometimes the numbers don't tell the whole story. Sometimes a player was in a car accident on the way to the ballpark, a minor car accident. Sometimes a player shows up hungover, and he might, (laughs) right? Sometimes a a player might have unbelievable success against a particular hitter. Why didn't you bring him in? Well, I couldn't. You know, sometimes a script doesn't know things that the manager, that the human being does. And that's what goes back to the advocating part, too. That's where you're advocating of, yes, I know that you see this with the analytics. I'm telling you this is what I'm seeing visually. 
on the field. Yeah, I've literally seen a guy hanging from a chandelier the night before. <laughs> How the hell are you up doing this this morning? <laughs> literally, yeah, hanging from a chandelier. Yep. Like what the? Oh, you're you're really all in tonight. And first person there in the morning, like oh, oh you yep. beat me here. Wow. <laughs> so. One time Whitey was asked who the best hitter with a hangover he ever had was. It was George Brett. Oh, but man. Pedro That's Guerrero funny. was pretty darn close. It, it, some people just have an ability, yep. despite what they do the night before. I wasn't that guy. I, uh, if I'm hanging from a chandelier, I'm sleeping until noon. No, and I'd catch you. Oh, Chris <laughs> Duncan, God rest his soul. <laughs> Chris Duncan could not hit with a hangover. Oh. And you know, it's some some guys can do it, some guys can't. And that's one thing that no script in the world knows. No. no. You know, how the hell your analytics going to tell you this guy was hanging from a chandelier last night? What the hell analytics you got for that? I guarantee yeah. you there's nothing for that. Yeah, That'd right. be great if they did have analytics on that. Um, no. So he does this after he has a night with just vodka. This is what he looks like with a tequila yeah, night. This is what you need. So these are the analytics that matter. And the best guys, I think it was Mickey Mantle. So, how do you hit with a t- hangover? And he said, well, there's three balls. I just tried to swing for the one in the middle. <laughs> That's hilarious. So, Ken Rosenthal uh, with a great piece today at The Athletic as well. Coming up, I'm not going to be here for Rocks Hill to die on, but I understand it's something that I'm not too worked up about anyway. So, it's not that big of a deal. Oh, it's going to be amazing. You two are going to handle things down the stretch. I'm going all McCarnan on you guys. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to check out. <laughs> See you tomorrow. Fun. <laughs> Thanks, I will. And uh, yeah, so uh, it'll be Brooke and Carrie and, and Matthew with a hill to die on. And then I will be back at it tomorrow for the rest of the week. And uh, so we, and then on Friday, it's Carrie and I because Brooke is going home to Nicheville. I am. I am. Am I, am, am I okay saying Nicheville? Nicheville. It, Nicheville. T- it takes me a minute. It kind of okay, takes Nicheville. my brain a minute, but I, I hear you. Okay. Also, it's in the South. You say vol, not vil. I mean, you can Nicheville. say, Louisville. you can say both. Okay. But Louisville. Typ- yeah, okay. like typically it's a vol. We call it okay. Louisville. I will be respectful of the Southerners then and go Nicheville. There. Okay, wow, that's very, yes, Nicheville. very good. <laughs> Close. <laughs> that's what Dolly Parton says. It. Is it Nashville? Nashville. 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 Yeah. Nashville. All right. Good. Uh, Matthew, have a great hill to die on today. <laughs> oh, it's going to be fun. Oh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a big one. We'll <laughs> see you guys in the morning. These guys will continue things next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome back to the opening drive, and it is time for... Hills that rock will die on. <laughs> You guys asked for a little extra production, and there it is for you. Appreciate it. That voice sounds familiar. You know, going to the other studio to work a few things out. (laughs) Matthew Rocchio tends to have interesting takes. Um, that's that's that, saying, uh, saying that's, it lightly. That's a polite way to put it. We 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 prefer we we prefer to call them hills that he will die on because these are things that Matthew Rocchio believes. And no one else tends to believe. He's he's usually in his own on this. So, Matthew, what hill are you preparing to die on today? I don't need a good reason to make fun of a team that wears that ugly of a color orange when they play sports. Oh, wait, oh, sorry. That was not. Wow. That was a different hill I was going to die on. Mike. Wow. Sorry. That was, I, I'm sorry. Wow. Jeez, oh, I'm sorry man. about that. Brooke has her orange top on. She is <laughs> I'm representing her. Orange. Are you wearing Rocky Top Orange? <laughs> yeah, I didn't even yeah. realize. Yeah. She's representing. Rocky Longhorn Orange, isn't it? 
No, no, this is, this you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. This is Tennessee. Uh, sorry, that was a, that was a, that was a hill I, that randomly came to the top of my head. Oh, my apologies. Oh man, I'm gonna bring in my. I actually have the Sports Illustrated from when T. Martin led the Tennessee Vols to the national championship. No, here's the thing. I'm gonna the bring that in and just why, like put it right here in front of your the face. The reason why Missouri fans focus on the, the little blip where they were better than Tennessee is because that's what we have, and we know that. You're talking <laughs> about the Bush Jones the, era. I said the blip. I said the blip. Exactly. It was the Bush literally. Jones era. We all forget about it. He didn't even know nope. what to do with Alvin Kamara, so we forget about <laughs> Butch Jones, okay? So we just forget about that whole experience. Didn't happen. Butch yeah. Jones and then early, the first half of Dabo at Clemson, just the amount of NFL talent they have that they didn't succeed with is unbelievable. Well, let's get into my real hill that I'm going to die on. Oh, uh, I wanted uh, there, if, if Jackson Burkett was standing where I was right here, he would have a huge problem with this, but but I'm, I'm going to let it be known anyway. Okay. Golf dress code discourse is the dumbest thing in the world. Do too. I shouldn't have to wear a collared shirt and chino shorts just to shoot nine <laughs> holes at a local course. I understand. You know what? Fine. I'll draw. I understand the line in the sand at the country clubs. I won't get into that. Fine. Have your rules. I understand that. But public courses, I should be able to walk in with nice Shorts, even if they are athletic shorts, a solid T-shirt, no holes, <laughs> no rips, no um, you know, no giant logos or anything like that. Just a plain T-shirt and play nine whenever I want. And here's the thing: you shouldn't care what shoes I'm wearing as long as I'm not wearing like football spikes or metal spikes from baseball. You shouldn't <laughs> care if I'm wearing Jordans, Vans, Adidas, or actual golf shoes. Just let me enjoy my afternoon in this lovely sun. So essentially what you're telling us is you can go wherever you want to go and do whatever the hell you want to do. That's essentially what you're telling us. No, I'm saying there yes. can, no, I'm saying there can be a level. I'm not saying you you, you throw everything out. How do you I'm get saying to decide their level when in. someone because invites my, you to their place? My opinion, Carrie. I said I said public <laughs> courses. I didn't say I'm so, saying I'm not I'm not saying I'm not I'm saying Country clubs okay. can have their line. I'm not talking about country clubs. I'm talking about public courses. Don't you want to respect the game, Rock? How is how the is integrity how is the, the difference game? between a collared shirt and a t-shirt have anything to do with respecting the game? No, no, I'm not saying there's not a difference. I'm saying what is the difference between a collared shirt and a t-shirt that has to do with respecting the game? And in fact, uh, Action Jackson is joining us in Please studio because he normally would be here, and he's a golfer. He loves it. Give us some information. Explain to me, and how a collared this. shirt makes me respect the game more than a regular T-shirt. First of all, this is the first time I've sat in this chair and got to feel. How does it feel? Crazy. Yeah. How the camera right on you. Yeah. How the world has turned. Uh, well, I just think that the game, to an extent, the game of golf has gotten a tad too casual. Okay. Uh, I think oh, you're going to see okay. some people out there in backwards hats. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to see people out there. Uh, weird sock choices, Nothing untucked shirts. And I'm not that. saying that's wrong because you want the game to be more inclusive. You want to bring more people into the game. Having said that, you still got to respect the game. A game, The game is a game of respect. And, and game, integrity. Exactly. In a game where luck is such a big part of it, where your ball might bounce, you want to do everything you can to appease to the golf gods. If that means tucking in your shirt and wearing your hat correctly, that's exactly what I'm going to do. Wasn't it Spieth or somebody the other day that had like did the backwards hat for a little bit? Yeah, so they do that in the rain because if you wear your hat forward when you're putting in the rain, the ball, it'll drip all over you and it might mm. drip on the ball. Why it's should, just hard wait, to see. Why do I have to wear a hat? Uh, you should wear a hat. Why? 
It's just I don't golf attire. I, I, I can I can wear sunglasses, and then now the the entire need of a hat to take the sun out of my eyes. I don't need that anymore. Why do I have to wear a hat? All I'm hearing is that you don't respect the he, game. He, no, no what you're my hearing, point is, is that respect has nothing to do with whether or not my shirt has a collar or not. What you're hearing that's is not he where respect, respect comes from. Many things. He, yeah. This is just no, one of the long that's not where like theme. That's not where respect comes from. <laughs> seems like a you, mentioned, you mentioned the game being all about trust. That's where respecting the game comes from. It has nothing to do with whether or not I'm, my, my shoes have the right cleats or not. No, I didn't say anything yet about uh, shoes. I, I, I already mentioned. I already mentioned shoes. I don't. I, if I want to wear Air Maxes and they're not golf shoes, I'll wear Air Maxes if I want to. I mean, yeah, do whatever you want. If they, if if you get awful looks or if people tell you, you know, this is not the the, the spot for you. Then you know it is what it is. Just accept that that they feel that way about you. If you want to die on that hill, I want to go up here oh, with know. ripped jeans and my shirt untucked not, and I, some listen, Air Maxes. I'm not that's saying fine. Jeans. that's within your right. I'm saying I'm not saying Basketball you take away shorts. all rules cool. out. Yeah, and I'm not saying you take away all rules away. Basketball shorts and knee high socks. Knee high socks were like literally part of like golf's original look. Yes, just saying. Not basketball shorts. No, because you said basketball shorts and some Air Maxes. Yeah, with your back, backwards hat. I'm, I'm wearing shorts right now that I would play basketball in. I'm wearing I'm wearing Jordans. I don't think I look completely unkempt. Like I shouldn't be able to go golfing right Rocky, now. Why don't you just Why don't you just play in like uh, you know a tank top and uh, swim trunks again? The, the answer to the question, where do you stop the, the ball rolling down the hill? The answer is always somewhere. And so I'm saying, I'm not saying there shouldn't be rules. <laughs> so, like when you so ask yourself a question. I'm not saying not be before where you get to. The somewhere has to be after my opinion where you are. is that jeans, <laughs> sleeveless <laughs> jeans, sleeveless T-shirts, and those kind of things, which I don't think you should wear out in public anyway. Like, you shouldn't wear ratty jeans and a sleeveless T-shirt to the grocery store. And now you're telling people what to wear at the grocery store. <laughs> I'm not, you can wear Jackson. whatever you want to wear on the golf course. Yeah, I'm not saying you're Here a bad person. If you do this, is just my opinion, Jackson. Jesus, I'm just saying it, when it comes to golf courses, there's is. I'm not, I'm not saying you shouldn't have the level of well kempt. This is kind of also gets into the hair thing. I think people who are like, well, if you have long hair, you're unprofessional. I think that's the dumbest thing in the world. It's, it's about whether how well you keep it. I'm not mm-hmm. saying you should walk onto a golf short with with holes in your shorts and a ratty t-shirt. I'm saying if you have a nice t-shirt on and you have a nice pair of shorts on, the fact that it has a drawstring shouldn't be the differentiating factor whether or not that's okay or not okay. You gotta have belt loops. And see, again, we're, we're, we've all agreed that we're making arbitrary, completely arbitrary, so, no logic decisions. I'm just saying I want the arbitrary bar to be set just a tad bit lower. Let me wear something with <laughs> you belt the bar loops. If it's, if it's a well-kept garment, that's all I'm saying. And again, Country clubs are different. I'm talking about public courses here. Okay. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, there's a there's a lot to unpack here. I, I do think the shoes matter because I understand it it takes a lot and costs a lot to maintain, maintain. a golf course. Yeah. Indeed. I also think of too, like I feel like John Daly really disrupted kind of what was mm-hmm. acceptable on a him. lot of golf courses yep. as well. And I so did this situation arise in a certain situation for you lately? Like, were you going somewhere? No, no. I mean, this is this is comes from somebody who <laughs> didn't um, get into golf until then much later in life. So I had, I had established opinions on on things, and you know, I'm adapting them to the golfing world, and I'm trying to find a happy medium. We got a text from the three one four. It says this started out as being a heel I could stand with rock on, but he has gone way off the rails. Yeah, where did I go off the rails? I, 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 I agree more. You have had a few people. 
I just have to who have agreed with you. Where did you I know, go off the rails? Because I want to know where is your where did point? he go off the rails? Please tell. Yeah, me. I want to know because that's interesting to me. Is where like where on your discussion of what should be acceptable? It because pe- been, people have different levels. You started talking about tank tops and going to no, you should. Yeah, maybe that's right. Thank you. That's how we. I have a thing about sleeveless T-shirts. I have to something. I have a hard. I have a hard. I have a hard hatred for sleeveless T-shirts out in public. I don't think they should be literally a thing unless you're at the beach. Um, <laughs> the, the, the way, and he, I guess here's another that way to put it. Maybe, to die on. Yeah, maybe this, no, I'll die on that no, hill any day. No of the week. tank top shirts unless you're at the beach. And he, <laughs> is this is this like the, I, I like this. Is this like the new thing that we do here, where we also try to kick him off the hill so we can become king of the hill? We get, that's the goal is to get him to get off his hill. That, get off the hill so we can so we can be on top of it. You yes. really playing golf with a hat on? I hate wearing hats. It's got a handful of hair, Jackson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't want to cover I, that I, hair. I played the last three rounds of golf without without a hat. Okay, just Have sunglasses. Some for yourself. Again, <laughs> how, again, Jackson. If you can give me a cogent response as to why not wearing a hat is not respecting myself, oh. I'll wear a hat. I don't think you will. No, I don't I, think yeah. even if you got a sound no, no, try response. It, try it. You sound like you, you sound like this is you against golf. This is the, you against <laughs> yeah. the sport of golf. <laughs> this is me against elitism. Oh, okay. Wow. Class warfare is broken up. You see, I, having played tennis my whole life, I, I get what you're saying about the different dress codes and with things. But if I'm going to, you know, a nice tennis club or something then I know that they have dress codes that you might need to abide by but if I'm just going to like the court like right next to my house I'll wear whatever I want is, so, is that about a respecting yourself thing well nobody's gonna see me <laughs> there's no rule that's what I'm saying that's the, what, the court that's what I'm right saying. next to my house doesn't have rules and I think and I think public golf courses should be essentially the same thing well. that's all I'm saying Okay. <laughs> That's Brooke. That's Rock. <laughs> Jackson That's has joined us. I'm Carrie. Coming up, we'll get into more elitism, I guess, when we return on the opening drive. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley, and 101 ESPN has your chance to score a pair of tickets to see Dead and Company at the Hollywood Casino Amphitheater on June 7th. Very few tickets remain for the show. You can find all of the ticket details at 101ESPN.com, but right now, you can text in to 314-399-9646. That's 314-399- Yo-ho! And win tickets to Dead and Company if you are able to answer this question from Matthew Rocchio. Texter number 30 wins these tickets. We've done a little sports in Grateful Dead uh, trivia. We're just going to do straight Grateful Dead trivia here. What was the original name of the group when the original founders got together? What was the original name of the Grateful Dead when the founders got together? Texter number 30 wins those two tickets. Hmm. Interesting. Very intriguing. Matthew, you have had some support on this text line, and I I will (laughs) gladly read out a few. Rock's Hills are garbage 95% of the time, but he's right here. That's a good one for you, Rock. They are are agreeing with you. I'm with Rock. Golf is corny. I don't know if it's corny. I I I wasn't saying that. I like this one, too. You got somebody somebody riding with you, so there you go. 217, it's acceptable to drink vodka at 8 a.m., but you got to have a collared shirt on. I agree with Rock. (laughs) Here's another one from the 646. I will die on this hill with you. Ridiculous. 
Look at Rock shooting, shooting up. He's excited about this. You got some people agreeing with you. And, and, and that's my thing. It's all about the line between, because people have texted also about, like, there's a uniform in sports. Like, you know, you're not running around in baseball and in shorts and, mm-hmm. and things like that. There's a line between, like I said, there's a line between kind of the elitism and the uniform factor. I understand uniform. I'm just saying that why is there like a hard, fast, no fitness wear in golf? That's the thing. Is like they, they, they've created like a blog where it's like no fitness wear is what they call it. I think, and, that's, and that to me is just, at this point, fitness wear, like joggers and things like that, are people wear that stuff to work on a regular basis. I, I just don't see why we shouldn't continually moving it. And, maybe, and listen, if your opinion is I like the old school of golf and I want to keep it that way, that's a perfectly reasonable yeah, way. That's I, a perfectly reasonable opinion. As a person that doesn't wear suits every yeah. day, I think it's cool to get dressed up and go play golf and and feel like a a real golfer. If I got my red polo, uh, <laughs> Nike polo yeah. on, I feel like Tiger Woods. I'm just yeah. telling you, that's just my thought. So and then the pants with the belt. There and all you that go. Stuff? My yeah. pants with my belt. I feel good to go. And we have somebody else who said it's a dress code. Just get used to it. My point is, listen, I, I show I don't show up to courses breaking their dress code. I'm not trying to be actively disrespectful. Rock, hold on. Because I think you, you, it was you, an accident one time. That was an accident. <laughs> Wait, what? One time we were going golfing after the show and I had to keep a pullover oh, on no, no, because no, I, I wasn't had, talking oh, about okay. that. I'm just saying, you, you do, you, rules, you are a, 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 I don't want to say a line stepper, but you, I'm rules, good. if they yeah. don't, if they don't mesh with how you feel mentally about them, you, you're going to, you're going to go the opposite direction. I'm going to verbalize agree, it. Do you agree I, with that? Yeah, I do, but I feel yeah. like I'm going to go up to the, like the person working the front desk and like berate them and be like, you're going to let me out on that course even though I'm wearing no, this you team. Like, do I'm that. not going to do that. You're way too nice of a guy for that. You are respectful in that regard, but if, the, it, if a rule doesn't fit what you believe it to be, you tend to and that's stay the, the hell with it. And here's the thing. Just explain it to me. When I, when I said Jackson, listen, if you can explain to me why it is inherently in more fairness, disrespectful, right. and there wasn't really that great of an answer. In if fairness. you can explain to me why in there fairness. are certain aspects of the uniform as opposed in to other was, right. fine. I have explained many things to you. Not just this topic, but many things in yeah, life. Your explanation and wasn't very good. <laughs> it wasn't good enough for you, sir. Yeah. So but therefore, I'm just gonna let anything fly by, Carrie. Come on, Rudy Gobert is always gonna be better than Patrick That's Ewing in your eyes. And Kobe Bryant is not a top twelve player, <laughs> which is asinine. Is it also, first what I said, and then I, I changed it because I was wrong. Wow, I changed it because I was okay. wrong. I was gonna say I know, Paul not... Gasol is the reason why Kobe won his last two championships. Oh, okay. He was the MVP okay. of the of the series See, as, opposed to, as opposed to Kobe Bryant. I said that he was the most important player on the, the second MVP. of those two. Oh, the second, the of, second the two, of the second of those two. He was the MVP of that of that second yeah. of that Without second him, championship. They don't team. win the championship. No. <laughs> okay. Oh, I think even Laker, like you, you simplify He's the best player. Oh, now, now see now you now you're just playing with words, get me in trouble. See now you're just trying to get me in trouble, and I don't, I don't appreciate that. Oh well, that's uh, that's today's show. We'll be back tomorrow at seven a.m. Seven a.m. Rock, thank you. Good job today. And we're gonna have another uh, hill to die on on, on Friday. Friday. Bro, uh, you're gonna miss that. Yeah, sorry, bro. Oh, oh, I will I will text you and let you know how that Please. one goes. Uh, we're gonna have another hill to die on <laughs> next Thursday, and then also I believe we're also gonna have a hill to how die on uh, in uh, mid June. We'll have two hills to die on <laughs> on June fifteenth oh, and Rock, June sixteenth. Like so we'll that. have some more hills to die on here coming up in the next few weeks. What that means is uh, Tim McKernan is off on those days, so we'll Booked be in for busy. four hours. bears. <laughs> that's it for today. Coming up, we got BK and Ferrario. That's next on 101 ESPN. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.